Intermilitary sitting at 15 Perry Street with my sidekick today. I'm Robert Gowan with Jason Belford. What up? And we have a special guest, Ron O'Farrell, who actually is a friend of Paul Martinez. And unfortunately, Paul, you're not here to be able to have the fun of this episode with Ron. That's right. So welcome to the show, though. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate it. So um, you came bearing gifts, and we want to make sure we give a shout out to uh, some former Ranger buddies. So maybe share yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere Brewing. Uh, they uh, So uh, Sam and Sarah Kasmer, um, he's a uh, former PL out of 275. And um, right when I started getting back into the community to uh, start helping and supporting, I met, I'm, you know, I'm at the brewery, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, she slid a beer over, saw I had a two diamond on and said, oh, by the way, my husband's transitioning and maybe you guys could talk. And then uh, it, was, it was really unique because that was really what set up my, um, the entry into, I guess, you know, the modern ranger community. And, um, uh, you know, as an active PL and, you know, getting plunging right back into there. Anyway, they, um, he had, um, was getting med boarded, um, had a bad jump and, you know, crushed his spine up a little bit and, and he wanted to salvage what he could and, and, um, lost some weight, started doing hikes and stuff. And they, they traveled, uh, the world really. And then through South America for, I want to say six or eight months, maybe even a year tasting beer. Uh, doing a tour on, on foods and everything, and they finally settled on open a brewery here, uh, elsewhere brewing, and uh, yeah, as you could tell, fantastic beer. Yeah, really good quality beer. Right. So if you're in the Atlanta area, make sure you look them up. They're down there near the Grant Park area, the zoo, and all that. So if you go down yeah. there, enjoy the zoo, take the family there, then hit the brewery. Then hit the brewery. That's yeah, right. good stuff, man. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, and then, yeah. uh, thank them for uh, bringing that in to us, and so we can experience it. Um, you were talking before we kicked off the podcast, and um, you're originally from California then. Yes. And, yeah. And yeah. where was it again? Riverside, California. Now, I'm trying to think where, where Riverside is. <clears throat> so it's uh, Riverside, California, Riverside, Paris, Temecula. Temecula. So, uh, Temecula, yep. Now you're, okay, now you're talking. Um, because I couldn't remember if it was right in that area. I was born in Oxnard, but for many okay. years yeah. um, in my last or one of my former jobs and stuff, I used to travel out to... Um, to uh, Temecula, uh, we'd fly into San Diego or LA and you drive down and everything. And that's wine country, yep. uh, beautiful area, yep. relatively new um, development and all yeah, that was, there yeah. well, it was then, I should say, many years ago. Um, beautiful, beautiful space though. Yeah, probably right around when, when I was getting out of there, but that's, it was kind of growing up and developing. Yeah, Temecula. And it's, you know, Coachella Valley, Palm Springs, that whole yeah. Inland Empire area where it's, it's, you know, you're still about 45 minutes from the beach, but, you know, just in the other side of the mountains where it's still just hot as hell, right? That's really yeah. what it is. <laughs> a lot of fun. Did you ever line. remember hearing about a company called Chemicon International? Is that no. right? Okay, never mind then. All right. So moving right along. <laughs> so what what, did, what made you go into the military then? I mean, that's beautiful space right there. Right. <laughs> I mean, hot air um, balloons right. and the whole thing, wine country. And you think so, right? Yeah. yeah. It's uh, so... For me coming up, um, it was uh, being black and Mexican in the middle of Southern California. One is an interesting dynamic because it's like, well, you're not supposed to like be like exist, you know, because of that rift. And um, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like uh, it's like the Hatfields and McCoys, right? But you, you just it's it's um, yeah, it's a race war was going on, you know, during those years. Oh, and, yeah. So um, and a lot of gang activity. 
Um, you know, we're talking, you know, late eighties, early nineties. In know. this space that I just mentioned about exactly. this beautiful Correct. get out. Good job, Ron. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, not too far away from there, you know, is, is, is all this activity. Yeah. So uh, by the time I give you an example, the time I went in the army, um, I had, uh, seven of my friends killed. One of them was my brother, mm-hmm. all murdered. Right. Uh, from the first one, when I was, uh, nine, um, was one of our friends was, uh, was murdered down the street. He was 13. And then it seemed like that was a sweet spot for a lot of that activity because it was him, then Champ, and then Feo, and then, you know, the kind of list. And then, then my brother was one of them. And, um, yeah, it was a, it was a real I'm shitty time. I'm then. ignorant to, to that stuff. What, I mean, besides, like, I know the obvious, like, drugs, money, and all that stuff, but what, what is, um, like you said, like, this the hot spot. Like, what, what, what is the motivation? Yeah, what is that? That, yeah. So it's, we were talking about this the other day. It's kind of like what the, what the kids these days say. It's a trap, right? It's the trap. And it, um, in that area, you know, depending on where you, how you're coming up, you know, economically, financially, you know, do you have, uh, you know, a good family support system? Do you not? And, you know, for the most part, you know, in the barrio area, in the ghetto, in the hood, you don't, you don't have that. It's, you know, you're, you fend for yourself, you know, kids running around doing whatever, because there is no, no activity at the time. There was no activities to do after school stuff. I mean, you had some sports, but in those years they had pulled a lot of that funding back, you know? Um, so a lot of, a lot of our music classes and things that were extracurricular just, it just wasn't there happening. And so in, in this, this, the, the gang violence, you know, was, was huge. And it's a lot of people think, well, a perfect example, you know, it's life is a choice. And, you know, why would you think to go do those type of things? And so when I got to high school, uh, junior high, we'll say, right. So that's, you know, seventh grade, 12, um, 12 years, years old. old. Yeah. Okay. And, um, the first day of school in junior high was at this particular school, Gage Middle School in Casablanca, was like initiate gang initiation day for depending on you know where the kids 12 were. Twelve years saw. old, correct? Right. So like like for me, my first day on the bus going to school, you know, it's, you see what you you know typically see in like you know kids fighting and like you know hooting and hollering. I'm sitting here like, oh shit, day one, right? Got my stupid little white collar looking like, uh, um, uh, what's his name from French Prince of Bel-Air, right? <laughs> you know, Howard, a, a Carlton, right? And, um, and, but I remember going home that day, these kids were just running around and beating the shit out of people. I'm like, well, guess what? Now you're kind of, you know, you're, you're in the game. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Right. So you either get your ass kicked or keep saying no or whatever. And I remember another time after school detention, you sit there and remember, and that was, you know, it's black and Mexican, both, both, both of them. And this kid was walking down the street in front of the school car pulls up. It was like old Monte Carlo, four dudes jump out, beat the shit out of them. Said, you know, you're, you're jumped in now, fool. Now you're like, there is in the gang. Right. And so not asking for it, not asking for it. So that happened to me, right. I was approached. Okay. And, um, I'll never, I'll forget it was uh, Angel Sanchez, Paul Martinez, you know, I'm all saying all my little names, right. It's junior high, whatever. Right. Yeah. 
And um, they were like, yeah, where are you from? Da, da, da. You're going to, you know, jump me. I was like, hey, before you do all that, you know. And <laughs> You're like, yeah, what was Time out, time out. And because my brothers were in that Oh, okay. My so when you brothers. say they 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 died, your brother died. It's With because he was in it. Yeah. Well, he the way he he was murdered from another gang member. Not, that wasn't typically gang violence. It was like a, a gang member killed him some uh, fight with a girlfriend kind of thing, right? But he basically was at the, my, my from what happened with my brother. He knocked on the door. They held an altercation and then stabbed him. My brother ran a couple blocks, you know, a couple houses actually jumping over the fence and then. It was that was it. He bled out right uh, there. Oh, so my Sorry. other, so my other brother Jerry. Okay, or um, this is funny. So I told him, I said, hey, before you do anything like that, you want me to be in the gang, whatever. You should talk to my brother. You know, talk to my brother. You know, Jerry. And this time, what at that point, uh, my other brother Bunko was still alive. So I was like, you need to talk to Bunko and Jerry. You know, and before you come at me. So the next day. They're like, all right, but if you're lying, we're going to kick the shit out of you. So they, right? they knew who these names were. Yeah, ish, right? I mean, it's a small. Yeah. yeah I mean, okay. it's, it's like if, if I'm lying, then it's going to be bad. Right. Well, we, know, <laughs> right? we know where to find you. We know to find you, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the next day they were like, um, all right, you know, why didn't you tell us that, you know, Joker was your brother and stuff? And why didn't you, yeah, right? And I'm like. I didn't know his name was Joker, but I'm going to ride with this, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, I'm just so keep your, serious. keep your, you know, just, just stay low, keep it cool, whatever. I was like, yeah, no, once you keep it cool, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now you're bowing on up. Bowing up a little bit, right? <laughs> like, because I could imagine what my brothers told them. Right. Like, no, you keep it down, fool. And, and um, so I had a uh, little bit lesser, you know, experience with that. I mean, you still had to, you know, you keep your nose clean. So as you're going through school and all sure. that. So, but yeah, it was, it, it, and so you're like a head that, down, like staring at, if you're not like, if you're not like part of one of those, I mean, I, I'm a redneck. I grew up in Kentucky. Like we, we didn't have that. Like I've been at 800 people in my entire high school. Maybe, but, um, is that like a head down, stare at the floor, walk down that, those set of tiles? Like, don't look at the dudes in the eyes type deal? It's not that bad. It's just as much as it, cause, because then you're a target too, right? So you can't look and be weak. It's almost like, I mean, now that I think about it, it's like, you know, like prison or something. You don't want to look too weak, right, either. And, you know, I mean, I had friends and everything, so it's not to say that every day was like that daunting. It's just you. sometimes you never knew what was going to happen, you know. And that was through middle school, <laughs> okay? Um, and uh, then in when we got to high school, um, the school that I was, the high school I was supposed to go to, North High School, my mom did everything she could to keep me out of that school mm. because she already kind of knew I was the path I was kind of going toward. You know, I. Um, she knew rebel. that both of her sons already. Yeah, yeah, was like well, it was, so it was my stepdad. Right. That's it. Would, the, um, the two brothers were from my, my oh, stepdad. Okay. Okay. Um, which also ties in because that's my the influence that got me into the Ranger Battalion. But, um, you know, so every day was was just, you know, we're, we're poor. You know, we didn't have, you know, a lot of money. So there's that. Like, how am I how are we going to get out of this? You know, what am I going to do to, you know, is it college? You know, and that wasn't like really encouraged. It's like, you know, you nerd. Right. So, um <laughs> How dare you for better how, yourself? Right, how dare you better yourself? <laughs> and and then as as I got into high school, like the friends that I had in junior high, some that's when that like like this one in particular, he went to L.A. 
and uh, he was the way he was murdered, execution style, tied uh, hands tied behind his back, you know, shot out, shotgun, back of the head, and he was fifteen. Wow. The time. You already see more shit before you even got to high school. Most people saw in the army. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, and that's so, so when you, when you, when you ask that question, like what, you know, that's what it was like. Right. So friends are dying, going to jail. And it's like, well, what am I going to do? Like I have no, I don't have that many options, you know? And I had, before I figured that it was good to do good in school. Now I don't have that option. So, um, and I kind of already knew I was leaning toward the army. It was like, okay, this, I, I know because my grandpa would take me to the farm and we'd do, I was raised on a farm as well. You know, they were custom butchers. So we'd slaughter hogs, cows, you know, goats for, you know, different for, every, for all the farmers and people that had land. And so I knew I didn't want to do that, <laughs> you know? And my grandpa always told me, he'd take me to these, just do the worst shit job, right? And he'd say, you like this meal, you know? No, you don't, right? I'm the only burro in the family. Go get an education. Go do something with yourself, so on and so forth. And I would think that, but you, you know, when you're when you're in it, you're having you're just a kid having fun. So anyway, I started leaning toward the army, and um, I because my, my mom put me in ROTC because she was like, you're not going to this other school. So I had to take a class at Poly High School, which was more of a, a, a mixture it was more, you know, more richer white kids will say that went to the school to kind of, you know, taper off the hard edge of, of where I was at, where it was pretty much a war zone. Let's say what it is. And, um, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go in the army. I can, you know, n- not smoke for however I need to, to pass the stupid test when I need to <laughs> and all that. Right. But it, I, I was 17, you know, I was like, I need, I'm doing whatever I can to get out of here. So I, um, my first contract was, um, was 11 x-ray with airborne option. And, um, again, the, the so my stepdad who, who was a ranger in Vietnam was the big influence, right? I mean, I was at, while, while my brothers, just take it a step back while my brothers and stuff were out running the streets at night. Cause I'd go there on the weekends with my little sister. Right. Um, and I'd be that, it'd be that kid that got left behind. I can't go steal cars with my brothers like I want to. Right. And, but so instead, right. So, <laughs> so, so instead my, uh, my, my, my stepdad, he, he would, he knew they would run, run off and you know, the windows open. He's like, all right, come here. And we would read freaking maps, man, like Vietnam maps. He'd show me where he'd set up ambushes in the Mekong and this, that, and the other. And we're, I don't, and like, we'd go through his annuals of airborne and like all, so I was like indoctrinated right at that point, I guess. So well, there's just so much here I want to unpack. I mean, yeah. I could do a show just about this right here. So <laughs> go ahead. let's back up. Um, Still cars on a Wednesday. Let's go. Well, how, how, right. I mean, literally, I mean, I mean this in the most sincere and, and I'm not trying to be funny, but how did you survive up to 17 in, in this type of environment? It must've been very challenging. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of that, which I would blame my mom a lot in, in later years, but I would always, she would always send me to the farm for summer when I didn't have, when I didn't have school or something to, to, to be active with. Cause my mom was a, she was a medical assistant. She was making, I don't know, in those years, nine fifty, ten 10 bucks an hour, you know, supporting me and my little sister. And then later another little sister. And, um, it was, uh, she sent me out there and, you know, that's where I would learn to shoot and, you know, cook and 
fucking mess with the hogs and the animals and stuff. And then it kept you busy. It kept me busy. Mm-hmm. It did. It kept me busy. And, and, and I, when I think about it now, like had I had a run of a couple of months, like quote unquote on the streets, cause it wasn't nothing. Mom was at work. I could come back and then, you know, finagle my way of I'm staying at so-and-so's house mm-hmm. and do, do dirt. Right. Because but in you, those but, years, that's all you thought about was how do you get up, come up? How do you get survive? I mean, so your, yeah. your, your, your whole mentality isn't, it's, it's how do I, how am I, am I going to survive? I do. Here's another example. And I'm, and I mean like with food too, right? Like even though we had the farm and everything or the ranch, I'd go there on the weekends and we'd come back, come back. My mom was very humble, right? We never got on food assistance, never of anything like that, which it completely would have helped. Right. But we didn't like, like meat, like we'd, it'd be like, you know, is the famous Mexican staple eggs and weenies. And if you didn't have that, it's eggs. And if you don't got that, it's rice and beans. And I remember going to school one day and people were like, man, are you okay? Did you, you know, they thought I got in a fight. Right. And I was like, all day, all day, I'm, I'm hearing this. And I'm like, what the hell is everybody thinking I got in a fight for? So I go to, I remember at the end of the day, going in the mirror, like, what is everyone looking at? And my cheekbones were starting to like receipt go in and it looked like I got punched in the face right here. Cause it was like, almost looked like it was protruding out because right? I was starving. Yeah. And I was like, <clears throat> holy <throat> shit, this isn't good. You know? And I, I, um, right, right around that time, I, the family opened up a restaurant and I started working there and then, you know, then it was kind of, it kind of turned around. But I remember thinking that like, wow, that's like, wow. Like, and, and I remember like, well, there's, and, and my, so for me, since I was nine years old, um, my the fourth grade, my job was to come home and, and, and make dinner and clean the house, make dinner. And that was the other thing is my mom would make me call her, you know, as soon as I got home and stuff like that. All right. Did you say uh, fourth grade? Yeah. Yeah. One of those latchkey kids. Right. So I had the, the, the key around my neck and I'd, and, you know, take the bus to home. And as soon as I got there, would call my mom, mom, I'm home, lock the door, and then make sure that dinner was ready when she got home. I couldn't get my fourth graders to put the towel in the dirty clothes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was on 12th street, East side Riverside. And, um, we, uh, it was funny. We were talking, I was just visiting with my, my mom uh, about two months ago with my sister and she was like, well, we didn't have it that bad growing up. This, that, and the other, I go, mom, 12th street, east side, Riverside, you, we moved because the two people got murdered like six months after we moved in. She's like, Oh yeah, I guess that mom was a little bad. The scale here is a little off. Yeah. 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 In terms of bad, we're both like, you know, our mouth on the floor and everything. Yeah. yeah. But this is, this is kind of crazy because, um, your mom was keeping you off the streets literally three months a year, but you still had to survive the other nine yeah. when you were back in town yeah. and not out there on the ranch and going through school with the guys who had been indoctrinated or been recruited, you know, and trying to get you in. You you, you just keep it cool. You know, being that, um, I think that's what helped me as well as being black and Mexican. It was like, I could, I hung out with both sides. Right. And because, you know, which I've always wondered, like, damn, if I go to jail, this is, I'm, I'm fucked because I have to pick one now. Like that's just the rules of jail and prison in Southern California. Usually it's federal side, but in SoCal County, it, 
you, it's what it is. I just recommend staying out of jail. That's my biggest yeah. thing. You know, I, you know, I, I Maybe I, California you know, too. So I that way you're America's yeah. side, you know, and I was like, you know, I'll fight for America, but jail yeah. is not what I want to <laughs> recommend our listeners stay that way from there. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's a, uh, so I, you know, you just, just getting along with them. I knew, you know, okay, this, the essays, this is, so I became a Paul Paul and angel and everybody like they knew who I was. Then he just, all right. He's but they just left you alone. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, it's not like you're fearing all the time. It's just, you know, if you're wrong place, wrong time is usually what it is you know a lot of those times was you know a lot of drive-bys so a lot of innocent bystanders were getting you know it was bad bad but you know yeah it was it when they like if you see like boys in the hood or you know those old movies where you see the helicopters coming by we call it the ghetto bird like that was my life i like literally by my bedroom the spotlight would come by two or three times a week helicopters gunshots in the distance like so it was you become numb to it. It's like you hear stuff, but you're like, okay, cool. Unless it's like right next to you or you see you're in some action or you're at a party where, Hey, this could pop off. Um, it, yeah. And it's, it's just kind of the lifestyle. You know, how did, how did you know. your stepfather deal with the fact that two of his sons, I mean, yeah. you know, we're in the gang. Yeah. Um, not well. Um, you know, he, he did what he could even he's he's he was also now that i look back on it he was a you know he came back he just came back from vietnam had kids which is not good anyway not, right no. because back then they didn't appreciate military like they do today exactly and you he was know, a baby killer ba- right mm-hmm. and yeah. and you know a, a good well, you know, not good one, but you know, he's, he's good at his job, right? As, yeah. as, uh, um, yeah, we, you, you don't know, want to say that part no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as you know, it, and he took a lot of pride in that, you know, I mean, you're, you know, he's lurps then, and you know, he's, that's what he did. A lot of, a lot of pride. So when he came back, you know, got into karate and all the things that kind of, you see it, you know, veterans now get into, to, you know, um, connect, connect. Yeah. And, but he, I think was also withdrawn. He had a lot of a lot of issues, a lot of problems himself. Mm. So I think that contributed to that. And then for in the, in those days, it was like, that's what the kids did. They just, just were going to run out and go do what they're going to do. And I think there was a point where it was just too far gone. And it, like, all he could do was speak with them, warn them, give them a heads up, you know, always be there for them and, and that they were going to do what they were going to do. How was but, that like bringing it? <clears throat> Cause you know, I got, went through something not even close to that with my own son, but like he, he kind of had the feeling he wanted to do what he wanted to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you're 18, you can do what you want, but yeah. it's out there and leave yeah. your keys on the table. Like, um, how does that, how did that work at home? Like, did he let him live there? Did he let him like, where they no. come in? It was like, once you did this, like you're gone. Like you, the door was always open. Um, when you come back, you come back without that. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah. The door okay. was always, he, the, he always, he always left the door open. He, um, uh, and, and just told him like, you know, you can, I'm here to support you any way I can, but you know, you, that shit's got to be on the outside. Yeah. I, I also think that with them, you know, they were, I don't know, seven to 10 years older than me. Right. So I think that he was probably also kind of in the, in the game a little bit as well at one point. So for them, they looked at it like a little bit of hypocrisy. Like, you know, you're making a little cash on, you know, yeah. this or that, or, you know, why are you getting on us? And, you know, those in those days, it was like, I guess, how you had to survive. I mean, that's that's all, because for me, when I looked at it, he was the hero. He's already, this has already, already been passed 
like he's got me working at Fleetwood, a, you know, man, manager and all that stuff. So, um, I just saw the discipline, what he was trying to do with the, with their, with them. And, you know, I remember when he, when he, when he passed away, uh, agent orange, you know, they found out later, but when I, when he passed away and I, I remember coming back and, um, in uniform, you know, for him and, and stuff. And I just got a beret and all that. And, and he was just like, he cried and he was just like, you're, you're one, you're the one that, that didn't fuck up, you know, and I love you and I'm proud of you. And it's like, it was, so, it like, so happy for you that yeah. you, that he, yeah. Cause I know that was one thing that you probably wanted him to see. And then he probably wanted nothing more than yeah. to see. I was, that's, that's a beautiful moment. Yeah. It was, yeah, and it 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 it, uh, it was, and it, and, I, and at that moment, I was like, you know, I made him proud, you know, and you know, you, I, you you do along the way, but it's like one of those, it's like, oh, okay, you're gonna be, I don't have to worry about you. I right. think is where, yeah, what that was, where the other ones, he, I mean, unfortunately, well, he they have, were in and out. He didn't have much peace in his life. It sounds like you know, from Vietnam and then dealing with that stuff, and <clears throat> I'm sure that yeah. that was awesome for you to be able to give that to him before he passed away. But you know, yeah, give a little piece in his own heart. Dude, I have yeah. so much respect yeah. for Vietnam veterans, That's and right. and you know, I mean, they were my drill sergeants when I was going through basic and yeah. everything many years ago. And <clears throat> you know, I, I had already looked up for, uh, to them just because the Vietnam War was going on when I was a child and in a youth and in my youth and such. And so, <clears throat> but you know. There's also different levels of that too, oh, you yeah. know, and yeah. what your dad experienced, um, just the utmost respect. And, yeah. and it's so sad that that generation wasn't given the same opportunities that this generation is given coming back from the war and, right. and, and such, um, you know, and it was hard. I'm sure it was very challenging for him. As soon as he mentioned that he was a veteran, because he had to at least mention it as to why he had a break in time or oh, yeah. whatever. And you try to explain that away. And then people are like, oh, I'm not hiring you. I'm sorry. Right. Right. And even with the family, um, like I, he would share like, I mean, he, like I'd heard it over and over again of his career of when he went in, you know, he, you know, how he was, when he was shot, you know, he did three, two tours. Right. And, um, the, and, and so the tour was like, what, after he, after he died and we, and he was buried in, um, Riverside national cemetery, the family would come back and ask me like, Hey, this doesn't seem right in his records. What happened here? Or what happened? I thought he was a sergeant. Why is it? He's a specialist. And you know, they don't know the stories of like, well, he got demoted, you know, this is what happened. Here's the story. And it's like, because his whole life with that, it's like no one wanted to know as much as he wanted to share it yeah. with a lot of them. Yeah. And uh, I, it seemed that the only ears that he had was a nine-year-old boy that he's showing the manuals, manual, manuals and, and maps and here's what we did and why we did it and how it felt. I mean, I knew about My Lai Massacre. I mean, all this stuff Look what he developed up to doing it. that, though. You know I mean? Look where you're at. Right. I mean, that's, what, what, an, right. What, an, what an honor you should have for that. And I do. I think him. I, I, I do. It's, it's a... It, all of them. It's, it's, it's from the beginning. And it, and I remember like, you know, the war is hell. Um, the, the, the famous mm -hmm. picture that was hanging in a poster in my room, like with the old stove pot the old, with the, old, yeah. And he's just with that look and war is hell. And was like a recruiting commercial or something like that. That goes or, back to the seeds you plant. You never see, you know, tree you plant, you never see, you grow, never see like, grow. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. And if, <laughs> and, and that's, and they tell me that, you know, the families are like, you know, he would be just 
so proud of what you're doing and especially for i think the work that i'm involved with now and yeah, let's really so well. let's yeah. let's let's kind of move beyond yeah. now into the another two hours on this. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? That's what I said yeah. when he when he started going down that path. It was like, oh my god, we could build an episode just yeah. off of this <laughs> alone. Leave it up to you to drive this train. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you end up getting at least the airborne contract. You didn't get the option forty. So you, oh no, I did. Oh so, yeah. Oh, you got the full ride. Yeah, okay. Well, well because uh, right then, um, Somalia happened. Right, Mogadishu went down, and when I saw that happen, I was like. Oh, hell no. I went right back to the recruiter and I was like, you're not going to like this, <laughs> but there's no way that I'm going in the army unless I have a ranger contract. He goes, you're reneging on the contract that you can't do that. I'm like, well, first of all, I'm 17 <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, it's just, I knew too much. Right. Yeah. And I was a cocky son of a bitch then too. Right. And so went back to maps and they were like, okay, we got you uh, airborne ranger option 40 contract. You're going to be commo and that's it. I'm like, all right, fine. That's close enough to what I need to do, you know? And, um, then, um, you know, that was in, uh, yeah. So September 4th, I was out and, um, yeah, hit all the, you know, marks along the way, had a scare it in, in rip. Then it was rip. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the road march, you know, which is the, which screws everybody. Right. Um, that was, I was like, one of those guys that had to get on the damn Humvee, right? <laughs> like, shit. Uh, but uh, that's when I, I also understood, like, you know, not quitting. You know, it, if I was like, you know, if I have one more fucking shot, there's no way that I'm going to, you know. It was just, I, it was, it was, I got mind fucked, right? Like, what happens? And then, yeah, went, went uh, I think it was like, they don't give you much time, right? It was like the following day or something stupid, yeah. right? Or maybe a day in between. And then end up just completely crushing the, you know, the, the, the 12 miler. What year was that? Yeah. That was, uh, so that was April 95. I'm an idiot. He said Somalia. I knew it. Yeah. Yeah. April no, 95. I was actually at Benning yeah, during yeah. that time frame. Uh, yeah. I remember it well. And I remember a lot of those guys coming back. That strike, was there when they came that back. comment. Which that was, that was, uh, <laughs> right. So that was, uh, when, when the guys were coming back in 90, that was from, uh, Haiti. And that were that's was you know and anytime someone's coming back from a deployment, especially one where they're pissed off that they couldn't do something with, it's like oh I'm going there, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that was a, those are proud moments too because that was like when you see like you know obviously going through. We started with 390, I think we graduated 90. You know, 30 of us went to 275 and the wins. And then back then, attrition, we was like, I think a lot higher than it is now. I think so, too. I it's, it's it higher was now. higher, right? Because like um, like six months later, there was like 15 of us, right? And yeah. then then what you're left with is the guys that are usually going to stick it out for years. I ended up staying for five, you know, reenlisting there. And well, stuff. even still, I think, or at least I saw at 375, a lot of guys that ended up getting out in the first 18 months, 24 months. Oh, yeah. It's like, man, I, I'm done. Done. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing is, is those years, they, um, it's not going on. They're, they're, they're just pushing you, pushing you. Just, you're just like, we're going to be ready. We're going to be, you know how it was. It was like, it was all the time. So, you know, when I go and speak with the guys now, they're like, man, was the training, was the op tempo as high as it, as it is this like this? And I was like, well... I mean, to be honest with you, it was probably a, a little bit more because, you know, you, even at 375 when you were there, it was like, okay, Monday, go to the field. Friday, come out the field. Clean, clean your shit. You got, you know, two days. Getting ready to go back to that. <laughs> yeah. 
That's yeah. Right. That's nice. So, yeah. uh, but so I don't, you know, I mean, I, I comparing the, 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 the two, I think it's just, you know, the life of what a ranger is, is it's, you know, you're always going to be training. You're always going to be ready. You're always going to master the what basics. it is, you know, yeah. you're always going to train the basics and the basics yeah. is be ready and being able to shoot, move and communicate. Yeah. yeah. So two, seven, five during that time frame. So McChrystal stand the man. Mm. Yeah. He was there right, right when I got there. Um, uh, Sergeant Major Magana. How was it then? I oh, mean, man, it was wild because so you had like all the first sergeants were all little old scrolls, mm. right? So you had uh, let's see, you had um, Crazy Larry Allen, um, Sergeant Major Allen, right? He was he was C, it was Seco. You had Dietrich, um, Hugh Roberts over at ACO. Um, you had uh, uh, Eiffelson, I think, was at headquarters when I got there. And so, and then you had, you know, Magania and you got McChrystal. And it was in those air, that those days, it was, you, it was like everybody knew McChrystal was going right up to the, to the top. It was, you didn't, I mean, what did I know? It was a private, right? But just seeing everyone get fired up when he'd speak, when he'd talk, the way he'd execute on things. And there's, of course, there's things that people don't like that every commander is going to go through. But, um, I ended up, you know, I'm, I'm not the tallest, right? He is. I ended up becoming, cause I was a runner becoming his freaking, uh, you know, running with him with the guide on and shit. Right. Ooh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 you know, and, um, but the battalion colors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, well, well, and, and then, you know, of course in headquarters and battalion colors, I was always right by him. And then, you know, RTO'd with him cause I was a um, junior, so it wasn't, it couldn't be a primary RTO for him, but I, there was a time where I had to slip in and I, I guess did well. I didn't leave his ass jumping out the plane and, you know, got <laughs> comms up. So that was a plus. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, those, those times were, it, and you know, we'd go, we, you never knew. Everything was super, super secret then. Like, there were no cameras and stuff. You know, the RSOD, everything was covered up. You couldn't say where you're going and all that. And um, it was a different life that you also didn't know when you, if you were going somewhere, oh shit, you know, then the rumor mill starts. Oh, is it real? We, sh we never take buses to the airfield, right? <laughs> That's a perfect comment. <laughs> right? And it's like, actually, we're just going to go, you know, suck it in JRTC for a while. That's no, why we're going did. this way. Ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, damn, Fort Polk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our favorite place, Jason. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of transformation in those years too, you know, from, um, with technology, weapon systems, you know, um, so it was, it was, it was very interesting and in seeing how, um, you know, the, that's those days with the spendexes and stuff like that. And, you know, Oh, Hey, we have to burn the budget money. Here's a, you know, a pallet of AT4s and everything, right? And then everybody in the fucking battalion bopped out. Bopped, yeah, <laughs> completely. Yeah, and then, and then years later, I learned, like, oh, there's a TBI. Oh, Can we get there's six a more TBI. <laughs> that's jacked up. <laughs> yeah. But that's real. Yeah, it's like, I've never done that. I don't know. Right? <laughs> right? Like, oh, it's, it's, it's blood coming out of my ears. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. And, and so, in, in, so I was lined up to, you know, 
kind of the golden, you know, one of the golden children, right? You know, you, you, you do well, keep your head down, high PT, you know, you do what you're supposed to do, you get you know, recognized for that. And then, um, but then it was like, come down on the OML and all that stuff. That's in those years, like E4, you had to be, they changed it where you had to be E4 to go to ranger school, right? And then they, at the same time, they put a freeze on E4 promotions because there was too many. It was a weird, awkward little spot. Hmm. And uh, then I ended up getting hurt, right? So that's when I had had my, I was, we were moving some, it was some stupid, we were moving the shot up equipment from like one PBO to another. Um, and uh, we're going through some little rough little patch. And then I, I, my head ended up going underneath the seat, like took completely crushing the right side uh, of my face. Like it was, yeah, it was bad. Like not like some little thing, like, you know, the whole, I'm going to puke, you know, head trauma and all that. And, um, what ended up happening is my, I had a right orbital fracture and the bottom muscle ended up getting pushed into that fracture. Right. So, um, went right to the hospital, emergency surgery ish. Right. So two, two days later, which is interesting. Here's another thing to the credit of, uh, crystal and Magania. Why, when I kind of came to at the hospital, cause they're telling me don't go to sleep and all that. Right. Um, they were there. Um, uh, was like, oh shit! Like I'm like, you know, like freaking out. Like, do I, need to, do I need to stand at attention or <laughs> yeah. salute while I'm laying down? I don't know what this, this what's this protocol, right? Uh, and he's like, uh, he says, he said, uh, hey Bobby, just hang out. I'm like, what the fuck, Bobby? Like that's my nick. Like I go by Ron now, but Bobby is like what my. Like, and he knew that. Yeah. That, that would freak. Yeah, name. that would freak me out too. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like. <laughs> Okay. But, but you know, the thing is, is that, um, I learned later is that he made it a, a point to know, I don't know how he did it, but if he could remember your name and he'd, he'd want to put it together with a little story. And I mean, I'm, I guess probably also because, you know, I was, you know, running alongside with him and stuff. He kind of knew, but it, it would just blew me away. Right. I would, I would add that. Uh, so I try to, rem and I used to, I tell my guys all the time, like, if I mispronounce your name, like tell me, because I feel like it's disrespectful. If I'm trying to say your name wrong, because that's a respect for you, because that's what you, you know, that's your family tradition, or whatever. But uh, I, I try to say, hey, by the names, guy, the name, the guy's name and stuff, uh, to be that leader. But I find it uh, awesome whenever I see like colonels, you know. Yeah. I, I just got a company, but I find it awesome when I see the colonel, and they're doing Helen farewells. You know, I, yes, I know they get their little cards and stuff, but I've seen it where. <clears throat> there's families out there and stuff and they're like, Oh, your kids, Susan and your Bobby and your, and your wife. Did it. I was like, yeah. And it, that right there just tells Makes me a huge impact. It, it does you, because yeah. you know, it shows that you are taking, um, initiative to know something about that individual personally. Right. And trying to connect on a different level than just, you know, leader to subordinate type thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's that, um, had that surgery. And then um, now I'm have to go on uh, con leave, right, for a month, month and a half to recover from this thing. So do that. But then that's, that there's a couple of weeks where, like, I need to take this PT test, but I'm still, like, stitches, stitched up and stuff. And um, in those days, it was like, look, these are, this is the standard or you get the, get the hell out, right? Fuck RFS, you're done. So um, they kind of hid me. They sent, so they sent me to Fort Gordon, to do this advanced JR big so I SOI creation class or something. Right. So I'm over there. So you can heal up, not have to worry yeah. about making the Ranger standard 
Because yeah. nobody's looking. No one's looking, right? And they knew I was like, you know, stud, they, like PT tests and all that. It wasn't right. like I was a borderline guy, right? Yeah. So, um, so I'm in this in this class, right? And I'm and I'm there with a couple other regiment guys. Um, um, they uh, were E sevens, you know. And here's Ronald Farrell. You think I was a, maybe an E four, right? And I get this phone call. Now remember, this is the old built, you know, brick barracks and everything. So there's only the phone. And no cell phones in these years, right? <laughs> so you got the two pay phones on each side. So the phone rings, and it's like, hey, O'Farrell, foot's for you. And I'm like, what the fuck? N- one, nobody's supposed to know I'm here. Two, how do they know what barracks and what side? So I get the phone. It's my doctor, my surgeon. Back at, Back at Madigan, right? And I'm over here at, at, at Fort Gordon in Augusta, and I'm like, uh, what's up, sir? He says, you need to come back. When you get back, you need to come see me right away. Uh, we're going to need to go in for another surgery. And I was like, well, wait a minute, sir. Wait, for what? He says, you're, you're he- we're finding out that you're healing too fast. Too much scar tissue is building up. And if you don't come and do this, you'll never be able to look up for the rest of your life. Because the, the, it, what happened was instead of the full muscle, they got the muscle out, but the sleeve was caught in the fracture still of the, the, the surrounding. Oh, bone. wow. So my, the pain wasn't there, but I wasn't able to have any vertical gaze. Did you notice this at all? Oh yeah. So I, it made sense when you heard it. Sure. Yeah. 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 But I'm, you know, I'm like, I need to go to stranger school. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I'm next. And he goes, and, and that was like, uh, this is about, I haven't really talked about this, but that was like at a position where I was like, what's this going to do for the rest of my career? Like, I came into the army to escape this whole craziness to go as deep as I can with the tip of the pointy end and to, to like not look back and now what, right? So he was like, well, you have a choice. You can either, you can go or you can never look up for the rest of your life. And I'm like, fuck man, all right, well, let's do the surgery, I guess. Like I, I can't, you know, so I got with, uh, com- you know, my chain of command and was like, hey, here's the news. And they were like, well, all right, let's keep rolling with it. I go to surgery. Now I'm on a, um, I think it was like a six month con like recovery program. So now the Colonel gets, now VC gets involved. Um, and at the time when the, before that, because my reenlistment window was opening up and stuff. So, so when they, when I came back, they just sent me to a bunch more schools, um, on, um, cause I was commo, right? So I already knew that I was running the, the, the all the different systems, doing trainings and all that. And then. They sent me to Microsoft Engineering School, so MCSE and MCAP and learning all this new thing because now they're taking the, the, the regiment and battalion from this mainframe system thing to a thing called client-server thing, and they didn't know, have anybody to do that. You know, it's awesome. <clears throat> um, you know, we had marks today, so um, I'm learning stuff right now, right? I know the stuff that Mark is talking about, right? I'm learning the stuff from old. Like, if we could, we would have known a lot of more questions and... Marks would, or if we could have had Marks stay here. Oh, I know, right? Man, that yeah. would have been awesome. Combo guy. Yeah. We were talking, because well, we dove into his MOS because we really haven't had a chance to, like, dive into that within regiment, you know, yeah. so it was good to kind of, I'm sorry, we're, we're kind of digressing here, so no, keep good. going. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to hide you still. Yeah, so I'm, now I'm going to these schools and stuff, and, and they're like, um, we want you, you know, we're, we're, this is where technology is going or whatever. So I was sitting around one day and I'm like, okay, fine. I'll, you know, play a little game. I'm, I'm, I'm here. Right. And then I saw we were doing some mission planning and, um, it was taking like 
this was pre-PowerPoint. <laughs> it was taking like two to three days. You might remember this. It would take two, three days for everyone to come together. They'd come and present key avenues of approach, this, that, and the other, a day or two, whatever it was, right? But it was a, it was a, a while. And then there was a thing that we were looking at. Well, what if we were able to take these computers and, you know, network them together? And they can, you know, and speed up the process when everybody can just kind of like see what everyone else is doing, right? And then was the birth of the TACLAN, tactical area, you know, tactical local area network, right? And that became and um, where we would be able to have um, mobile servers that each battalion would deploy with. And when we got to theater, then we would just take all of our servers, sync them together. And now we were able to share all that information across the regiment of what each battalion was doing, how they were being briefed and everything. So it took the a mission cycle of planning from say, like 72 hours to something like 12. Like it just shrunk that. And, and, obvious, and now it's fucking insane, right? Now you're doing, you know, eight, 12 mission sets in a night, right? Because of all this feeds of information. But these are the very early days of that kind of stuff. What a part, that's awesome to be a part of that because I don't even yeah. know what he's talking about because that, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it, it really was. One of the founders of that. And it was the, yeah, we did, we, we were the first ones to run RED into um, uh, first special forces group and then take that and run that fiber all the way to battalion and how that, you know, scamp, you know, it was, it was really, really cool. So I ended up, long story short, I ended up standing up the first automated data processing system, uh, a section in, um, in battalion. Uh, and so I believe it was, it was, we were the first ones and then along with regiment. And so um, that's, so when my reenlistment window came up, then it was Colonel Bidneric, right? And I was like, sir, like, this is significantly hindering on my rangering career here, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know? And um, at the time I was also going through divorce, didn't have it, or my wife was pregnant. It was like, should I divorce, right? No, we're pregnant, let's work through this. So I reenlisted and he was like, I need you to, continue to stand this up. So they sent me to a bunch more schools. Um, and I got so this, certifications. And so during this time frame, you're still trying to heal up or yeah. are you oh, healed yeah. during no. this? No, I'm healing. You're wow. still healing. Yeah. So what time period? Are, I mean, what, how long are we talking about here? Nine, uh, it took nine months. Wow. Everything you just said happened in nine months. Yeah. Day and a half at a ranger. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, then, and, then and then afterward, then I, you know, continued to obviously finish my term out and stuff like that. But it was, uh, yeah, and, and it was, uh, so, you know, morning for, and then it became like, you know, I have this stupid-ass profile that I can't, you know, and, and do anything with. And the PA is, I and mean, the surgeon is even like, dude, stop reading law so long, right? You know, then there's stuff like I can't come do CQ or SDNCO because if I, you know, stay awake too long, it's going to trigger hemorrhages in my, in, in my brain and all that, right? Which that's where the TBI stuff really came in. But, and, and even those days, like as I was doing all that stuff, I remember sitting there a couple of times, just blank staring at the computer, um, like just kind of getting lost in like, like, whoa, wait a minute. Wait, why am I feeling like blank and empty? What's going on? Um, then it started thinking like, oh shit, I'm like getting a little bit behind on stuff and some stuff I'm forgetting, what's this gonna look like in the future for me? And that's when I figured, figured that something was wrong with me mentally from that, you know, the, from these incidents. And um, later I found out that um, I actually had a second possible TBI on the table when I was undergoing surgery because they had to re-break my face to open everything back up. Oh my gosh. 
So I became a test subject for that, that they still have, you know, of like how to do this type of surgery, I guess. So, um, you know, it, it, I was grateful that I had this opportunity and all this technology and stuff, but at the same time I was like, you know, felt a little lost. I, I, my reenlistment window was coming up, going through divorce. And I was like, well, let me just save the, the family and do what, what I thought was right. Um, and then, so I transitioned out. Right. And that, you know, because, you know, during, and, and you know, getting back to your point of being hidden, right. I mean, that's really what it was kind of, it was like morning formations. Yeah, I'd be out there and then I'm like, go right to work, go and work in these different areas. Now, what was unique about that though, and I look at it as a blessing now is because of who I was and what I did, I had, ac had full access to the entire command in and out of everywhere. You know, I'm walking over privates getting smoked in the hallways to get to the platoon sergeant to get their shit up. Right. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, and, and then, you know, it, it was, I was like the wild card, right. Exception to the rule. And the more people saw my face were like, Oh, so if I come here and, you know, come square this away. Um, which I, sometimes I felt good after my buddies. Cause I'm like, sorry, bro, you're getting your like, bag smoked right now. <laughs> Thanks for taking over Thanks, the team. Thanks for taking over the team. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I got, so I got invited to like come to the Colonel's house to square their computers away. Or like if they're putting up a, uh, you know, a little, their skiff or whatever, they need something secured. Um, and, and so late in the later years now, right? Like the impacts that I had made and the relations that I had then it's crazy. Fast forwarding now, like okay, like six months ago, I'm in, you know, General Chris Donahue's office, you know, shooting the shit, you know, he was my, my company commander and he's asking about, Hey, when are you going to come talk to the 82nd division about suicide and stuff? Right. So anyway, as I digress, moving along is yeah. When I got out that first transition, I did like, I, I didn't, we didn't even know what that was then. Like yeah, transition. No. It's like, Oh, it's just, it's just called getting out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. ETS. Yeah. Get down I'm ETS yeah. and I'm getting out. Yeah. And so uh, I did, you know, what, what's a, is what everybody else does and says, well, well, I'll figure it out. You know, that's cool. I'll, I'll figure it out when I get there. And it was just like, what is, what, what does that even mean? Um, ended up going to Houston, Texas. Um, my the actual, uh, wife, Houston, the actual Houston, Houston, Houston or around there so, in one of the cities. So when I first got, got out there, I was at uh, Weatherford, Texas, of all places. Um, a, a former ranger was starting up a company, saw that I had some skills, and uh, was like, yeah, come on out. Um, that didn't work out. It was like a startup. It was in the startup era, right? Um, and, but he was a, also a recruiter, a technical recruiter, right? And um, I was like, I could do that because I like talking to people and I could tell someone's bullshit was a technology. And I just got tired of hearing boops and beeps and knowing exactly what was wrong with the machine and all that. Right. Um, so I, um, I got into, that was Weatherford, Texas. And then, um, from Weatherford, it went down to, um, the, uh, so this spring. is 2001 time. 2000. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Right around, right, right there. 2000, 2001. And I, and I went to the, the woodlands. Uh, so it was first at spring little apartment there, then of the woodlands and then, uh, down to, um, gallery area. Okay. Off of I know where gallery mall is. Office, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I used to live in Crosby and, uh, Baytown area, oh, which yeah. is on the other side. Yeah. Oh yeah. Baytown next to pass a get down Dina. Yes. You, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> you know it. 
that's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, we. Uh, I was then I became a technical recruiter, then became a uh, um, an executive recruiter, um, and. Which I was, which was really, really cool because I was able to call on C-level executives and recruiting people out of CMEX and putting them over here and then Enron yeah. and all that. Um, in in your computing field and, and stuff like that, or what? It, yeah, it started, or in any field. It started um, well. It's, yeah, so it started in technology, right? As a technical recruiter, like so, if it was a network engineer, um, a software engineer, or something like that, I I. I, I'm going to get them. And I literally had the best training in the world. You know, that's what you yeah. know, uh, Brian was saying today. Like, you know, this are keeping those guys like, getting guys like him <clears throat> in. But mm-hmm. we're also talking about time period where Al Gore had just created the Internet uh, only a few years before that. And, right. uh, you know, computers were one of those things where... You know, you had floppy disk, you know, yeah. um, DOS and everything oh, trust else. Trust me, when we when we were fielding all those computers in battalion, like, get yeah, this is before a CD-ROM, right? Yeah, so you're talking yeah. about, like, Windows with 144 little disks. So yeah. guess who got to do that? Your boy sitting in the PBO <laughs> yeah. in the cage. Yeah. yeah. Fuck my life. <laughs> Fuck my life. <laughs> so, I mean, but technology was just getting into that. Oh, yeah. like, and it was a race. So I could ima- imagine like, it was a race. having those. Yeah, yeah. They was getting into it, but. Uh, you know, regiment's always a step ahead. To yeah. Oh, what he so did at, at uh, second bat. Just literally. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he was like a fucking anomaly right. in the civilian world. Oh, like, yeah. Right. Half those guys right. probably didn't even know what you were talking mm-hmm. about. You Correct. Know, type of thing. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, and that's where, because we were recruiting for cutting edge technology, you know, understanding and looking at what this was like, oh, EJB, this, you know, whatever the, you know, Java technologies or whatever were. So then it became easy to, once I understand the, understood the architecture and the execution behind what they were trying to do, then I could say, oh, okay, well, this is, a, and this is why they're bringing these software engineers in or testers. Then I could question those on specifically what their experience was because now I already know the project, right? So I was able to, being at the ground level on the networking side, you just naturally see all that. So for me, it's like, it was like what looking at the matrix. Like even to this day, I have, you know, a lot of my, people in my section and squad went into that, into the field, right? Some of them were running Doom and another one's running JBLM, this, that, and the other. So I'll just be sitting there and they'll come up with a problem or whatever. And I'm like, you know, you could just do this, 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 and shut this one down and then transfer it. And he's like, no shit. I'm like, dude, who's getting paid here? Give me, you know, for me, it's me like looking at the matrix of bifocals <laughs> or on. just hit control alt delete and see if it works the next at. time. Yeah. Yeah. You restarted this Restart thing? this. <laughs> you restarted that. Yeah. Um, hit so my yeah. S6 and CRC yeah. button. Boop. <laughs> so the, the training though that I needed was on, on how to, on how to capture someone, how to re- talk, how to, what questions to ask and be bold about how to dig deep and drill down. So the, uh, uh, the the company had joined was called Strategic Careers. They had I picked them because they had built a company up before, had just sold it, and now they were like, "Hey, we want to do the same thing again." I'm like, "Okay, that's some entrepreneurial shit." I know that these guys are going to be really good, the rock stars. So here I am, twenty two, one, twenty two, whatever, and everyone's twice my age, and uh, I had a big fear of the phone. And Mike Gwines, who uh, Rest his soul. He's he was my mentor in 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 recruiting. He says, he sit around. He said, Hey Ron, you want to know how to make one hundred fifty thousand dollars next year? 
Oh, yeah, Mike, of course I do. Pick up the fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For God's sake, pick up the phone. I'm tired of reading. <laughs> it is a bullpen environment, so it's very open like yeah. this. And it's, you could see, and they see. So it was a great uh, training environment. So they took, so here's what happened. So the dot com and all the stuff started, the Nortel at this yeah. time was shedding 50,000 people, right? You had um, another company shedding 100,000 people. And these are optom- uh, um, optical engineers because this is what when big, the fiber push was going on. And guess what? I had been spent the last five weeks that they were like, you're going to study this optics and this, this fiber technology and you're going to be our lead recruiter for this because it was a high, it was a 30% commission on it. I'm like, yeah, let's go. And then as soon as I did that, that's when they started shedding all these companies. I'm like, okay, now what do I do? Now, because now I have no skill for the company, right? Like, what are they going to transfer? They just lost their contracts for recruiting this. So they quickly, that's why I saw how agile they were and switched to sales, marketing, and technology executives and professionals. So now we're recruiting for technical sales managers. So at the time, BlackBerry was a big deal. And I'm calling on these guys that have, you know, created email systems for 50,000 users and like just really cool, intense stuff. Which then evolved to, like I get the, the executive side of it. So now I have a skill that um, I'm learning, and they're bringing in these guys, these hitters that have five, ten years experience, that have you know done you know millions of dollars in in sales a year, and I'm seeing these guys get fired, right? Like, oh, we have to talk to so and so, and they pull them off, and I'm like, oh, damn. Like if they're getting rid of that guy, <laughs> what are they gonna do with me, right? And then we'd have a meeting at the end of the day, and I was like, "Okie dokie, what's going on?" And they're like, "No, we're gonna keep you. We, you know, you you got the fire, you got this, you understand it, you're doing well." And I was like, "Okay." And I, I was that was one of the first times that um, someone saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, right? And, you know, they're, they're Texas boys. They're not veterans, but they love vets. And, you know, we, we, we got along and took off famously. But my, um, I was missing my daughter, you know. And basically the, you know, wife was supposed to come out. That didn't happen. Okay, life happens. We divorce. But I needed to get back with my daughter. And one of the times I was visiting, she, it was Christmas. And I get back, and it was like a week later. And Naomi calls me, and she says, you need, we need to do something because Leilani won't stop crying. Like, it's been a week already. And I'm like all right, well, it, I'm done then. You know, I, so I, I uh, figured out a quick plan, saw that. I was like, and so mind you, like, you know, it, the balloon had already gone up, right? 9-11 and all that, which actually this is a good segue. <laughs> so when the balloon went up, right, and uh, I called my, 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 my old boss, Chief, Chief Hubs. Um, he was at the time working at WACA, so the White House Communications Agency there. And I called him and I was like, yo, you know, obviously see what's going on. Um, I'll go to the next nearest recruiting station. Just, you know, I don't care. Call, you know, Sergeant Fry. Cause everyone's still there. Right. I'm like, was with the boys just not too long ago. And he's like, yeah, all right. Oh, he's like, he goes, well, let me just tell you something. Cause he's a, um, he had had break in service, came back in his E6. Now he's a warrant, right? He goes, let me tell you something though. He goes, I'll do that for you or whatever you want to do. He goes, but just remember right now that where you're at, what you're doing, like you don't know it, but you are leaps and bounds ahead of people that 
get out of the military and do stuff. Like you, you coming back will be like saying that you couldn't hack it on the outside. But if you still want to do that, call me in two hours. And I was like, what the hell was that? (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. That's not what I wanted to hear. (laughs) I was looking for a man. I'm glad to have you back. I'm going to give you a hookup. Exactly. You'd be great. Like, yeah, we're, yeah, all this shit's still this. I'm like, so did you like hang up and like get totally pissed? Or did you really take the moment to think about what he had said? The gravity of that. Um, the gravity just hit me right away because I was all I was a little offended. Yeah. I was a little bit of all that, and I was like, "What does that mean?" And I thought the more I thought about it, um, I was like, "Okay, I'll just let me accept it." I didn't believe it myself, but it's kind of like you know he called me he called me out, man. Right? It's like okay, well now if I do go back in, I'm saying I couldn't hack it. And from and from coming from him, it was a big deal, you know. So I I, I didn't call him back. Because when you get yeah. out, I, I see this all the time. Uh, obviously, I've never been out, but uh, I see this all the time in, in younger guys when they get out. They 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 have the the I have no idea what I'm going to do plan, but I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to give them a little advice, but at the end of the day, I'm like, if you don't want to stay here, I'm not going to beg you to. But they get out, and then you know, I've seen them. I've seen him in club. I actually seen seen one in Max Fitness yeah. about six months ago, and I was like, "Hey, man, how you doing?" He's like, oh, "I'm fucking sucking." Sucking, yeah. You know, and he's yeah. like, "I was, like, well, I mean, you can always go back in the army." He's yeah. Like, no. And then I would, uh, I look like an asshole, and I was like, "Well, you could eat." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. Your pride's that big, you know? But no, I mean, yeah, yeah but that, but he, I mean, he's right though. Like. The, but what people think, you know, then we talked about that. They like caring about that. I, I guess I didn't think about that because I, I had a break in service yeah. that was uh, about 10 months long or something like that. Yeah. And she's man, I, I, I was, I was at rock bottom. I yeah. mean, I thought yeah. I was poor in the army. I was poorer out <laughs> right. of the army. <laughs> right. And it was, right. for me, it was right during the recession uh, that was going on and everything. So I was really sucking. And that's when I went and told my wife, yeah. I'm like, I got to go back. Well, I think she was almost pushing me right, that direction. Go back. Yeah. Yeah. Recession or depression? Re- recession. recession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. So I get I get the same shit from from Sam Gasmer. He's like he's like uh, when he's sharing with someone, it's like uh, like oh were you guys in uh, in battalion together? No no no. He was way way before my time. I'm like. What? Why do you got to put two ways in there? (laughs) Um, But, you know, and I think to Chief's point is that I, I was riding kind of high. I had, I had just closed the largest um, deal in the company's history um, for billings that for on one recruit, it was the executive vice president for CMX that pulled him out of Coke. And, um, they were so he's seen all this and hearing all this and he's like, dude, you're doing fantastic, you know. Yeah, and, if you just answer it, the phone, you make 150 k. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking, yeah. we're talking 20 years yeah. ago, dude. Yeah. By the way, so that's a lot of damn money. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, mind you, I didn't make that much then. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I left before. You're good. You're good. Exactly. All you gotta do is answer the phone, exactly. and you want to come back to regiment? What do you mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put two damn phones Put in the office. Yeah, so I um 
when I, so I had to come back to Washington. I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And, um, like I said, so that had happened. And, um, now we're in Oh three. Okay. And, um, so I'm, I'm, I, that, that's when I was making my way back was in Oh three. And, uh, Jay blessing was just killed. had been killed, uh, in uh, November of 03 in Azadabad. And that's when I was like, okay, I, I'm going to go back in and do at least something. And that's when I went in and, and uh, through recruiting to use rec. So I already had the background in recruiting and they had this new hybrid program that I could go in as a civilian, but also I could also enlist. So I did both. Um, it was through a program called NPR. So we went through the same track, went through, you know, went to Fort Knox, went into the tank and all that stuff. So we're, now we're talking about like, oh, and and um, and I'll just say this is that the U.S. Army Recruiting Command is the best sales training on the planet. I spent five years in user. There you go. In Houston, Texas. In Houston, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so we got something. No lie, that's, that's yeah. when I was. Uh, yeah. That's when I was there. Is uh, well before ninety though. It was eighty-five to ninety is when I I spent oh, you're my time way, there. Way way back. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and back when we had two ways. Two, two Damn ways. it! <laughs> <laughs> I just picked that up. <laughs> that's back when we had Mission Box and everything else. I don't know right. if you still had that when you got there. Uh, so General yeah. Ono, and you had to make Mission Box. So you had to get a you know a high school grad above a certain oh, yeah. AFQT. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I mean, there yeah, was a lot that I, ways and, yeah, yeah. And there was a lot that I learned about uh, in, in USAREC or, you know, in my time there, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad. Oh yeah. Um, but there, there was a lot of proving and things that I gained from that, that you're right. That really did help me along yeah. the way as much as I hate to admit it. Uh, right. And it's, 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 and it's because they put you out of completely out of your comfort zone. It's like people don't go there to be salespeople, and you don't think you're like okay recruiting, but that doesn't equate to like okay FIBAs and you know how you're going to respond to things and knowing what to say in response and and having these rebuttals even reading people's rebu- body work. Body, and, oh yeah, I mean all, all that. that kind of stuff that they yeah. taught us about. Um, people are like, how do you read somebody so quickly and such? And but it's a lot yeah. of the sales training part of that that. Exactly. Dominant buying motive, looking for certain signals that they're sending you, yep. you know, that's, uh, yep. yeah, it, it was uh, kind of a crazy time. Now, I ended up going in-service recruiting. I was on like a AGR, uh, AGR type of yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did yours differ? Um, that's what I'm trying to figure out. So yeah. you went 19 kilo it, when you came back in because you said armor. Or you just went to Fort went Knox? No, I went to Fort Knox. Well, that's where the, that's where the, the HSC was at USRC. Correct, correct. Yeah. it's a recruiter courses. So you have to go through the training there. Oh, right, got, you, got you. That's it was in reason. Indianapolis back yeah, when it was way, time. way back. Oh, uh, yeah. See, that's, yes. Uh, well, actually, that would be way, way, way back. <laughs> and I was, when I came in uh, after USRC and was in service, I worked for Perscom, which now was. In your period, HSC or something like that that's yeah. at Fort Knox. You know, yeah. we we, do, we share something common at Fort Polk, but I, you, did you go during basic training? Is that where you went to basic training? Oh, I went to Knox at oh, Bay, yeah. yeah. I think it was in the 50s when basic training was. <laughs> God <laughs> dang it. I, I, you <laughs> led me right down that path, dude. That, that was for Vietnam. I was yeah. like, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two oh, times you got me already. Yeah. Two times. Yeah. That's it. All okay, right. Yeah, so then I ended up going to uh, T-Mall State, Tacoma Mall Station, um, back in, out in Washington. So it was, it was yeah. a perfect environment. And, um, yeah, it was that was uh, ended up getting, which I didn't. You weren't I, making I, I 150K. I was not making 150K. <laughs> um, but I, I made mission and over mission. In fact, they, 
some retired colonel, I don't know, whoever was in our hierarchy came in and he's like going over the mission box and all yeah. that stuff. And for me, I didn't really pay attention to it, to be honest, because yeah. I just, I just put my head down and okay, I made it, let me keep going. And then he's like, do you know that you're like, like the top recruiter in like a five state region right now? And I was like, no clue, sir. Just, just out here, you know, doing the army's work. LSE five. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, but it was a, it was a quick trial. It was like, I was only a quick, like a uh, two, three year yeah. deal because I was coming back in. I was like, I'm just going to try this out. And you know, that's this is back when we still had the badge with the sapphires. You went from a silver oh, yeah. badge to a gold oh, and yeah. the gold yeah. with yeah. the three Blues, sapphires. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Your ring knocker? Did you get a your ring? No, man, I wasn't like that. I okay. And no, I wasn't. I wasn't that deep in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't that deep. I, and yeah, I. I for was, me, that, that stuff was. That a little was another like, language right there. I had no idea what you guys just talked. Oh, yeah. So on the yeah. badge there, you know, it started off back in the day. You'd have a silver badge that was just plain, and you had three stars that were on there that were silver that went with the silver badge, and so that was where you knew that basically you were at the bottom of the rung. You're yeah. a newbie. You, you know? haven't done anything. So as you start creating mission boxes, you create points. So uh, if you met mission, meaning that every time that you did what you're supposed to do, your mission as an NCO is to do this, right? Then you would get so many points. As the points accumulated, it was like 300 points, I think it was, for first star. Uh-huh. 300 points for second, I think it was. 300 points for third star to turn them gold. And then you got to 300 points beyond that was like a gold badge or 1,200 points beyond that. I can't remember what all the points mm-hmm. things were. Somebody's probably going to uh, DM me or right. something. <laughs> <you're> gonna, exactly. <laughs> some some double and, right and so basically it's every time you make mission and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're changing the colors of your badge. So your peers know what kind of uh, NCO you are, right. what kind of recruiter you are. But once you reached a gold badge, then you got silver. Uh, I mean, you, you changed each of the three stars once again to sapphires, right? Mm-hmm. And once you got a gold badge with three sapphires, the next big thing is to get your ring. You got a like a class ring that they yeah. a general officer would award you, like a like a uh, West Point ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was like a mile away from getting a gold badge and three sapphires. It took a lot from that point. So it wasn't like a 300, 300, 300. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then you give you a, no. It was like they made that one like really a stretch goal out there for yeah. you to be able to do so. Um, I am a ring knocker. Uh, I do have a ring. Big deal. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. but when you deal, yeah, damn it. I'm a better recruiter, but, but when you got the ring and stuff and so, I mean, if they saw your badge with gold and three sapphires, obviously you look to your hand to see, do you have the yeah. ring? And if you're a ring, That's I mean, you were cool. like, you were like the top recruiters in yeah. the battalion. That's and yeah, and, and it was kind of cool. Um, I obviously got it right before I left because it takes so damn long to get there. Yeah. The guys who got it so quickly, I don't know what they were doing out there. But well, that's the thing, right? Is yeah. like, like what? And uh, you see people do some interesting shit for, to make mission. <laughs> yeah, right? like yeah. and it's like, yeah, it's an interesting world. Like it's it's a. Uh, I'm glad it was something that I got to experience. Yeah. You said the best salesman in the but world. It is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they try to find ways to motivate you, right? right? Because, I mean, you're going out there and selling an intangible product, and that's Correct. what was so difficult. <laughs> yeah. Because before you had something you could really sell, and not to mention you're getting 30% of this guy's salary or yeah. whatever. For, right. And, and in this case, you're going out there and you're trying to convince mom and dad. You're picking up the phone, calling Johnny and Susie and saying, hey, hey, this is uh, Sergeant Gowan. I'm with the United States Army. Hello? Sir, yeah. Hello. Yeah. You know, or, oh, yeah. or you, you know, you get an appointment 
And you show up at the door and you knock on the door and dad opens the door and you go, hey, I'm here to see uh, Billy. And he looks at you and he goes, you can't come to my house. And yep. it, well, excuse me, sir, but is Billy here? And he's like, I didn't, I don't think you heard what I just yeah. said, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, or that he's like, or it's worse if you drive three damn hours to go to an appointment and then you show up and you go, Hey, can I speak to Billy? And he goes, Billy left about three hours ago and he's going to be spending the night at a friend's house. Yeah. Mm. You know, oh yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> worse yet, if you got to go take a guy to MEPS and you got to drive three hours before. The opposite direction to go pick them up pick so them that you up. can take them to MEPS and be there at 6 a.m. Right. So you leave I your house at 2 o'clock in the morning so that you can go get Johnny or Billy. Yeah. And then you drive yeah. and then you show up on the door, which I did one time. You know, I knock on the door and I'm, I'm here to pick up Billy. And it's, I get this lady that, you know, I woke up in the literally the middle of the morning and stuff, you know, like 3 a.m. And she's like, Billy spent the night over at friend's house. I'm like, I'm here to pick take him down to join the army and stuff i don't know what to tell you <laughs> and this is before cell phones right so it's not like you you know what you know so oh yeah oh yeah or and or they just don't want to spend the night at the hotel because you can take them to oh. the hotel. like well i want to spend the night with or they the party at the That's hotel and you're wondering yeah. and you get that phone call from the counselor and it goes Hey, Sergeant Gallon, where the hell's your dirt bag? You know, and you yeah. go, what are you talking about, man? You know, hey, where's Billy at? Billy Jones, he didn't show Miss up. Ship, yep. And you drive to the hotel and you find him there. And you're like, yeah. dude, what are you doing, man? You know, yeah. you're going to now pay me back for the damn hotel night. You yeah. Know, or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do push ups. There's, over there, hammered at the peacock. Incline, damn it. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. would have been me. That, but yeah, it, it was, yeah. it was, uh, I say all this because it's not like I'm trying to really beef this up. This is really difficult time uh you know recruiting yeah. Yeah, right now it definitely is yeah and, and it was back then for uh, a period that, of time you I know think, i think all periods are yeah i think they are because true point depending on yeah. what's going on you know like when 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 i was recruiting they colleges had shut down letting us go on post uh recruiter stations were getting shot up um, that's when they started changing all to the, you know, now if you go to recruiting station, you got to push in the little pad number. Well, that was from that era of shit happening. And uh, a couple Navy rec like, recruiters were getting killed, yeah, like straight shot. marked. Right. Um, not good. So, um, then that's when, um, they had to pull some rank or federal government did and said, Hey, just so you remember, this is part of you getting this federal funding is required that you allow our recruiters to go on, on campus. That's if high not, schools we will pull and, this money. That's right. That's and high right schools now. and colleges. Correct. We had to actually make those calls to guidance counselors and principals that wouldn't allow us not only that, but to get like if a kid takes the ASVAB and all that kind of stuff, then we're supposed to be able to call them. Well, they wouldn't release the ASVAB list or whatever, right. you know, uh, and, and we'd pick up the phone and call them. Uh, I don't think you understand. I'm requesting for you to complete that. So we and and if you don't, Right. That's when it gets serious. Uh, checkmate. Yeah. 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 Or, or guess who won't be getting a check. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. All, all yeah. So, I mean, there is. Yeah. No, I, I, I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 And, it, you know, that's when and, and then right when that was happening is I in that type of recruiting cycle, I remember sending these guys out and gals. Right. They'd go to training and everything, come back and be, you know, all. Um, confident, you know, moms, this is when, this is when it's rewarding when mom and dad are like, you made, you know, man out of, out of Billy or a, a woman out of Susie, or, you know, they can look at me in my eyes and stuff. Right. And then 
a year later after their first deployment, they come back and it's like, how you doing, man? It's different, right? It's a different I dynamic. Didn't, I didn't experience that. that so what right. was that? It was, um, man, it was interesting. It was like, wow. And, and like, there, there's not, and when you see someone that's just, you know, from the, from the, you knew them in high school when they were kids, literally. And, and for me, my strategy, I kind of went against the grain. They want you to recruit juniors and seniors. Uh, you know, I went for sophomores and juniors and then the seniors with the low hanging fruit. I went, uh, I went back after my first appointment and had, uh, had lunch with my recruiter and told him thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But, but see, here's the, Smith was his name. The, I, I think the difference there, and this is where I learned that there's a difference. Cause I've, I, you know, I, I sent, uh, one of the first sergeants, uh, actually Levi Lindley, um, one of the guys I, I sent to battalion, right? His dad was a first sergeant and stuff. So he was already like, I know what I'm getting myself into. I'm going to, I'm going to go to 275. My, you know, he, he knew what was happening. Um, and this other one, I forget his name, but he was the first guy I put in the army. Um, and um, he, he was a fister and very meek dude, really quiet. I don't think he really knew what he was getting into. Um, you know, we present as much as we can, right? And... But, you know, he went through the training and everything, got to go blow a bunch of shit up. And then when he came back, like I said, it was just, it was, it was empty. He was very distant. And I was like, wow, this is, this is what's going on now. And this is where we're continuing. This is what's going to continue to, to evolve and happen. And then the more people, more recruits started coming back, the more that that was, the, that was evident. Um, and uh, from there, I was, I was just like, you know, I, I, I was going through my own shit as well. Like, remember, I didn't have like some kind of awesome transition. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And then now, now I'm, st I'm also now going through this position, uh, this position of in my head, I'm getting all the success. But now, am I, can, can I hold on to it? Can I, can I stay on top of these things that I need to? Or am I going to get kind of a brain block where I did you know, historically, you know, am I going to get that same feeling that I did in my office in Ranger Battalion of what the fuck am I going to do with my life? And nobody can see this, but I know what's going on in my head. Right. So, um, from there, I evolved, I got, I, I left there and ended up sticking with kind of recruiting theme. And I went and became an assistant director of admissions for DeVry university when they were around and um, ended up running more, running a recruiting team, a uh, field team. It was like a five-state region type of thing. So you spent three years in USAREC and then yeah. just got out. Got out, yeah. Wow. Yeah, got out, and I was like, because, you know, and I, it was, at the time, it was like just, just anxiety. It was like uh, I didn't know what depression really was. This is, again, I didn't know what was going on in my head. Um, and I just knew that where it was, what I was doing, I wasn't happy and I was feeling like, you know, then that's when I was starting to do stuff like, um, like call in and be like, yo, I'm out over here, P1 and, or, or whatever. Right. And I would just be at home, like physically can't move and can't get out the house. Um, so went to DeVry, did the same thing. And now I'm like, discover this thing called PTO and Oh, if I'm in the field. So I've had these positions to where I could like, I'll call it, let's go ahead and call it a functional depressionist. You know, I didn't know what that was. I just knew that there was days that I, I need to not do anything. And for whatever reason that was able to like, okay, I really have to go and do this thing. And that's when I learned where, um, that, that, that anxiety, the TBI and all those stuff ma match up to 
where it could be looked at as procrastination, where it's actually just a fear of jumping out that door of, you know, seeing people and being people. And I'm in a people business, right? Um, and, you know, I had a, a, a and, and, and through that time, not knowing what was going on, I had, you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, that kind of stuff. I got one company that uh, really kind of made this, def had this defining moment. We raised, it was like a whole scandal, really. We raised three million bucks. I was the COO. We wrote a patent and all this shit. Things were going great. But, but the guy um, looked at those funds as his personal ATM. All right. Um, started banging the CFO and you know, that goes well, you know, so, um, long story short on there, um, he ended up getting, um, indicted by the Washington state DFI convicted and all that kind of stuff, but not before, like everything was tied in. We we're like joined at the hip and yeah, sure. you know, everything, right. Live in the same place. And we ended up having this, you know, a, a fist came down to the fisticuffs, right. We were in LA and, um, on a business trip, well, he flew out early and had our staff pack up everything in the house and my room and everything, put it in my Durango and left it at SeaTac with the keys behind the rim and was like, um, I'm calling the police as a, you know, for a, a restraining order and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he never ended up doing anything, um, but that, you know, Army Combatos does work very well, right? <laughs> But uh, he, so with when that happened, now I'm, I find myself like I had found something that I could take everything that I've done and culminated in my career, in my life at that point, from technology to sales to fundraising to business acumen and, and utilize all these gifts. And now I just went down the drain. And I'm homeless, by the way, right? Because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't in the VA system, none of that. It, was, it wasn't there. So called my... Uh, uh, my baby mama, right? My ex and, um, Naomi and which were like this, right? It's like my, my sister. She's, you know, she came up as a ranger wife and she's like, I got you. Come on. Let's, you know, so I ended up staying with my, uh, in-laws at the, you know, for, for a while. Now here's where things changed for Ronald Farrell. I didn't really still understand what depression was until I kind of woke up and six months later, I was like, wow, I'm still in this position and I haven't really done shit. Right. I need to figure this out. Um, right about that time, a buddy, of mine, a buddy of mine came in from New York visiting. His name is Bert. Bert came in. He's a big family friend. And uh, he was staying with us. He was like, he was like, hey, yeah, cool. He, but he comes in with a big handle of crown. I'm like, let's go. Let's, let's, you know, welcome back, homie. Well, I didn't, I forgot. I hadn't eaten in like two days, you know, from just whatever, right? Not thinking about it wasn't taking care of myself at all. So I'm I get completely hammered, blackout, try to fight him. Right. My, at this time, my daughter's still in high school. She comes home and sees me like completely out of my mind, which I don't get like that around her at all. Um, then the next thing I remember is the police were there. Right. So now the police, they're, they're standing in the park down in front and I'm like looking out and I see the police there. So then I start going completely ballistic on my ex Naomi. I'm like, why'd you call the cops? We have rules, right? Snitches get stitches and all, you know, all running down that thing. And the cop is just standing there like with his arms folded. And he says, Mr. O'Farrell, we're going to give you to the count of three before we arrest you. And, um, oh, oh, just before that, my, my daughter was pleading with them to not arrest me. He's, you know, this is an isolated incident. He's a, you know, army ranger. He's, done this. He's, and I was like, and, and I heard that 
And I was like, you goddamn right I'm an army ranger. Who's asked do I got uh, one, one of these, right? And that's when he says, sir, we're going to give you to the count of three, and then we're going to arrest you. I said, oh, really? You can fucking count? Let's, he goes, one. I said, well, let's speed it up. Two. And I go up in front and I knife hand like him. Knife hand two. Yeah, in like two. And then I re- quickly realized you shouldn't do this right now. Like, and I was like, I just turned around immediately and was like, whatever, right? He should have arrested me then. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so I go in the house. Um, Army Rangers are tough, but not in handcuffs. Not in handcuffs. No, no, no. And there was, there was th- there's three of three of them there. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I, I, I go inside, and now I'm embarrassed and all that stuff. The cops leave. So I think it's a good idea. I'm like, I'm so embarrassed. Everyone saw this. I need to leave. Go stick my head in the sand somewhere. So I get in the car and drive. You're still hammered. Obliterated. Right. And then when they say that you're, it's a dark place, right? So everything was like becoming like tunnel vision and becoming really dark. I thought it was in the evening. It ended up being three o'clock, bright sunny in the afternoon in June. Right. So everyone's like, what are you doing? You know, you idiot. Like, you know, and I'm like, leave me alone. So my sister follows me because I was going to her house and, um, I get a text message, um, you know, I'm driving and do one of these things. I'm like, I'll talk to you later. And then look up and then. Boom. Airbag deploys. Engine comes in. They have three-car collision, and I'm the cause of it, right? Thank God no one was hurt. You know, it didn't escalate. It was just a couple fender benders. But, you know, when the the judge reads, you know, Mr. O'Farrell was, you know, witnessed unconscious being removed from his vehicle, it's not a good sign, right? So um, they take me to the hospital. You know, the cops there blow the breathalyzer and my, my, I was just hurting, right? The collarbone and all that stuff. And I'm like, pff, pff. he's like, breathe, blow harder. You're, you know, don't be messing with Brown. I'm going to take you to jail. I'm like, I'm already, I'm still hammered. So I'm like, man, I'm trying, whatever I'm trying. And, uh, he's like, no, we're going to take you to jail. It's like, you could have just went home or whatever. So I'm in a gown. Okay. And, um, they, so he's pissed and he's like, uh, they're like, well, here's, he, he wanted him to change. And he's like, just put him in a bag for him. So he cuffed, I get up and he cuffs me and he's like, kind of escort me and walking me out. Right. So as, as I'm, as I'm walking, walking by, I see this nurse sitting there and I was like, Hey, and she just like, she's like smiled back. And I was like, Oh, Hey, what's, you know, what are you doing? And I, and as I'm walking by, I'm, I, I see her kind of like look and she's like, Oh God. And she turns away. I was like, what the hell is your problem? I did one of these things. And I noticed I'm in the gown, but ass naked. <laughs> walking down the hospital <laughs> cuffed, <laughs> cuffed hands behind my back ass just showing for everybody in these little slippers and then I was like this is this is bad O'Farrell this is bad get to the you know they book me and um, they put me in like this solitary thing because I had a boot on my leg and they didn't whatever next morning I come out and um, all the orderlies are like Dude, what did you drink? I'm like, crown. I'm like, yeah, they can smell me as I'm walking down. So. I bet that was a fun morning. It was a fun morning. And then <laughs> even funner finding out like what I actually what did. What happened. So yeah. I can actually tell you this because this is what was told to me. Yeah. Right. So um, I, uh, yeah, ended end up, you know, going to the courthouse and all that shit. And I was going to, I was going to plead guilty. Like whatever, I own it. Uh, everything is crushed, you know, because all, even though. I was out, I had this little thing in the back of my head, like, well, I can always go to contracting, I can always go to this, there's always gonna be something. Well, all that's shattered, obliterated now, right? 
So um, that's when a public defender was like, no, don't ever say that you're guilty. Just say not guilty and we'll take it from there. Said not guilty. I didn't get have to deal with that stuff until six months later. But by that time, I had been sponsored to be to become a loan officer. Um, a buddy of mine said, you know, you should go after the veteran community and stuff and like and loans and stuff. He goes, that's what I'm going to do. I'm like, dude, nobody wants to listen to you talk about VA stuff. I'm like, you're my friend and I don't even want you to talk to me about my own <laughs> benefits. Right. And he goes, you're right. Why don't you do something about it? And I was like, OK, so um, studied for the course passed, got licensed and, um, went to interview, uh, the first company. And I, I wrote a business plan. I was like, this is what I'm going to do for the veteran community. Um, X, Y, and Z, because prior to about three months prior to that, I went to a, a, a ranger breakfast. Right. And I went to that ranger breakfast because I literally didn't have anywhere to go. Right. But, you know, and that thing in the back of my mind was if you go back in, you cause you can't hack it. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck, let me go see what these guys are doing. And I hadn't seen these guys in, you know, it's been years. So I see Pete Quintanilla and I, I see Leroy Petrie, right? He just came back from uh, learning about the 22 a day. This is that first release of that. And um, I was like, wow, this is, okay, there's, this is what's going on. So he talks about the 22 a day. And immediately I'm like, what am I complaining about right now? Like, holy shit, I didn't know about these numbers. And mind you, years, a little, about two years prior, I had gotten with a, a guy named Izzy Abbas and we created together, I consulted on it, it was his brainchild, but um, the text crisis line for um, veteran suicide, right? And that kind of took off. And so I was like, well, what happened to that thing? You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, um, but when I saw that, I was like, okay, something has to be done. So I get this job with Veterans Lending Group. I say, this is what I want to do. I bring my business plan. Uh, this is what I'm going to crack in and get in the community. I want to educate, let people know because I come from the, um, the, the, the uh, way of thinking of if you're going to, if I'm going to share this story with one person, why can't I share it with five or 10 or 20 or a room full? So they were like, yeah, cool. Why don't you do that? We want you to do that too. So I go into training. This is when Facebook and stuff has started just bursting and you know, really it was just mainly Facebook. And I got on this page called, uh, well, it was Brotherhood of the Scrolls, one of the ones now, but uh, Rangers Supporting Rangers, right? And I started seeing all the stuff happen about suicide and real-time information. Hey, this guy needs this, this guy needs that. And me being an RTO, I'm like, okay, well, I have a computer, I have a phone, I can, I can set up a talk and like manage this stuff across the country, wherever people are, right? And so started getting, you know, working with other rangers, like, okay, who's here, who's there? And we ended up creating this organically of any time that a ranger, because you had to be vetted to get into there, right? But anytime someone needed some assistance, they were feeling low, hey, we haven't heard from this guy. So then it became like, all right, well, who's close to them? Here's the number, have their squad leader, have their people in there, you know, bombard them with phone numbers and love and text messages and all that kind of stuff. We didn't know what the hell we're doing, right? It's just like, what can we do? It's something really good is what you have started, there. Right, yeah, and it's and, then, and we got to the point where there was, uh, I remember one was an attempt um, with a knife there's blood all over this, this place, right? So they, um, while he was at the hospital, um, we were able to send a team in to clean everything up so that when he got back, he didn't see that same trauma and, and the kinds of things like that. So this was going on and that, that happened going on for, for years. And I remember Mike Schlitz, um, if you know, if you know Mike Schlitz, yeah. right? So Mike Schlitz reached out to me and he said, man, what you're doing is awesome. He goes, I just want you to know, give you a heads up brother that 
it, your batting average right now is great, but there will come a time when you're going to lose. And I was like, and he goes, and he says, you just need to be, this isn't a phone call from him. Mike Schlitz. I'm like, holy shit. He's like, I just want you to know that. And I was like, noted, you know, I'm, but I'm ready and I'm prepared for this. And then like, it was like four or five months later, he's in Hawaii. And then it's like some, one of his buddies said, pass. And I'm like, oh shit. So as we keep going through this and then it was, then, and then, you know, lost one and then another and it's stuff it's guys that i've worked with right that you know and then that we groups of us have worked with and and and, and so that starts slipping and i was at the time i was had the dui i couldn't you know i was on the shame train and the struggle bus as i say right because i you know get out there somehow and i was on a show called new day and i was talking about you know veteran suicide and um, i was talking about it with my buddy matt wilson and matt was um Team leader in ACO, 275, you know, in the early years. Um, and, he, you know, he, again, zero transition, right? Gets out and, you know, was on the street for a little while, you know, drugs and all that stuff, you know, didn't have VA all totally together and all that. So he and I hit it off because we're, he's like, man, we need to be able to give somebody a heads up and say, hey, this is what's going on in the community. Like, hey, fuckers, here's what you should need to be doing. Here's what you need to be focused on so that you can divert, we can divert people from as much as possible of being, ending up in these situations. And he's like, dude, you got to be the one to say all this stuff. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, like, all right, well, let's put something together. And as we started talking and like hanging out and I'd see like, we'd smoke some weed here and there. And then there's days where he'd be like, you know, I'm not drinking. And I'm like, wow, that's very like, wow. I've never had anybody close to me that was like, no, I'm not going to drink. And I'm like, wow, that's bold. I didn't know really what he was going through. Right. I did, but didn't. So, uh, we, I put this program together, straw man it of, okay, this is what we could go talk to battalion and, and veterans about. And he hits me up and we did some interdictions together. He finally gets his hundred percent disability. He starts working on cars. We, we, um, again, I sent another ranger there who was working with him and he was, his thing was like, no drinking. You gotta be sober when you're working with me. Then, um, his dog died. His first, you know, his, his, uh, his bigs died, passes away. And he's trying to work it out. And, you know, I was like, hey, man, I can send you to this camp. We can, you know, or this place, to, you know, to get you straight. He's like, yeah, man, let's do that. It's actually Camp Hope out in um, Houston, actually. Um, and uh, he kind of puts it off a little bit. He's like, oh, I want to say goodbye to my girlfriend and this, that, and the other. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I started getting these phone calls from his girlfriend, like, like hey, Matt's fucking up. Why is he coming asking for money and all this stuff? Because he just had this disability. It's like, oh, maybe, damn, is he on drugs again? Or, okay, what's going on? I talked to him. He seemed a little distant. And then um, I said, hey, man, I was on my way to, to, to teach a class. So along this way from becoming a loan officer, I become the created curriculum and became a national director of education for veterans landing groups. So I travel in the country and I'm doing these classes on VA home loan benefits. Now, he came, he, and, from, from where you came from, right? To where you're at right there and just this part of the story is just outstanding. Like you can do, you know what I mean? Like anybody can do it, you know, like yeah. how you grew it. I mean, that's amazing. You, know, you lost yeah. all, all the foundations of, you know, you know, the things that people need in life when, you know, going through the shit that you did in school and like as a kid. But yeah. now look at all the shit you've accomplished and the lives you saved. This is outstanding, man. Thank you. Yeah. That's thank you for saying that. Um, 
it's been a journey. Either. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Uh-huh. And it's, and you know, it, and I think it just feeds off of, you know, begets, begets, begets. And, you know, so when I was on my way to this class, I'm talking to Matt and I'm like, Hey man, we're going to get some tacos. It was a Thursday night. So we're going to get some tacos tomorrow. We'll, you know, we'll, I can get, get past this shit. I got you. All right, man. Cool. And then, um, that morning I get a call from Elena. Matt's in jail. Fuck. Okay. What? I just talked to him, right? We're going through all that. So I make some calls. We have some ranger attorneys and stuff. What can we do? It's the weekend. Can't do anything, right? I'm like, all right, bro. Okay, Monday. Okay, well, what do we know? We know this or that, the other. He goes Tuesday, he gets arraigned. And uh, he goes in and he, he asked the bailiff, or this is the notes that were there. Hey, what am I looking at? Do you have any idea? You know, because he doesn't know, right? And the guy's like, you know, just blurted something off. Oh, you're looking at 10 to 15 years, you know, fuck off. And that night he suicided, right? Well, we say he suicided that night. It depends on how you look at it, right? They, re- they re- resuscitated him. And then now he's in the hospital for four days on, you know, the machines and stuff. So now it's like, okay, is he going to pull through? And, you know, all that's going through my mind. And I'm like, you know, but I'm working. Do I go up and what's going on? And I'm trying to hear and then... So it was literally like a, that was on a Tuesday. So then now we're looking at Saturday morning. I'm on my way to, uh, actually to go meet with Sam Casmer and, and these guys over at doing some barbecue in, in, in Washington. And I get the call, hey, um, we're waiting on you to pull the plug, you know? And I was like, okay. So I had to hand it up and you know, we, I was the ranger there and it was, uh, it was sucked, you know? Cause then you have, his mom was there on FaceTime, the whole family, and they were like, hey, do you want to be there when we pull it, pull it? I'm like, no, I, 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 I'm going to sit here with the family and give, if you guys have that, that's, I could do that one. And after that um, is when uh, uh, Darby Project was like, hey, they were doing, we, we, which I had been a part of, we were doing this Ranger for Life thing, right? And we started it at 175. We did the small one there. And I've been part of all of them. It was bounced between one and three. And this was the first year that they were bringing it to 275. And of course, I jumped at the opportunity. I was like, no one's fucking touching this. Right? You guys, no, back the fuck off. I got this. And um, I wrote the program, put a three, three-day program together, um, kicked it off with Leroy and brought all the guests and all the favors that I could everyone to talk and then you know battalion put in a couple people as well but to date that's been one of the most impactful ranger for life programs and it set set that one off we had 275 rangers in there full attendance that's when donnie boyer was there when he was leaving out and then i got we were invited to go to 375s i did that one two three months later at the uh, infantry museum and that's when uh, i don't know if you were there if that robert johnson came in from cbs and i was doing other classes it was it was really good um and that, you know, was like, it was, it was powerful, uh, you know, but at the end of it, you know, I have, there's this picture where Matt's like, you know, doing one of these things on, on the mountain and stuff. And like, that's how I ended the Ranger for Life program, you know, it was like, you know, always going to be a Ranger for Life and all that kind of thing. And, but then it was, but that wasn't enough, right? It's like, well, that's great for Rangers. And the re- I wanted to create a model or participate in creating that model, um, so that way it can be replicated and duplicated in other areas. But how do we, now where's the voice, right? So fast forward to, well, two years ago, 
um, Veterans Lending Group, we ended up closing a, a home for this gentleman named John Wayne Troxel, right? SEAC 3, right? And the, like I was telling you, I'm like, I don't know what the hell a SEAC was. And, you know, um, or Brooke and Mike Villano, the, the, some of the founders of Veterans Lending Group, they said, hey, do you know anything about this guy? You know, can you look him up? And because they don't, I'm like the liaison for the company, right? Military. And I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's a big deal. <laughs> you know, like, you know, Secretary Mattis and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, they're like, well, we're, we're thinking of bringing him on as a brand ambassador. And we've always looked for somebody to bring on as a brand ambassador, but we didn't want it to be someone's like, hey, we're paying you money to talk good about us. It's like, no, we want to do something, show you the service, and then do you want to be a part of it? So we did that. So this day he was coming in to meet with myself because I'm traveling and how we can parlay this and make something happen. So he's sitting there. We, <laughs> it's a funny story. So, uh, I, I, I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna go take a leak before I, uh, meet this guy, right. Waiting for him to come in. So I'm in there and I, it's a one shitter bathroom, right? It's like lock the door behind you kind of thing. <laughs> right. So guess who doesn't lock the door behind them? Ranger. Right? Ranger. Over. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. 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 And, and I'm like, <laughs> And I, and I just done, you know, doing the business and I'm like wa washing my hands or something and the door opens and, and I'm like, oh, it's like, oh, who's just walking in on me? Like, how dare you? And he looks at me and he's like, you don't lock the door too often, do you? Or something like that. And I'm like, uh, yeah, no. Um, I don't know if I should shake him with, with a wet hand or not. So I was like, uh, let me just get out of here. And it's him, of course. <laughs> right. So, um, we and we meet and I find out who he is and I said and I kind of got I was still pissed from Matt on all this stuff and I'm like okay you're at the top explain explain what that is oh, for yeah. those who are so this the SEAC is the senior enlisted advisor to the chairman of Joint Chiefs and um, essentially um, that is the most it is the senior position um, uh, for uh, in the NCO side he's senior he's the most senior NCO of all of DOD. Right. So we have the chairman of Joint Chiefs who was that who's like, you know, for now it's Joe and Millie. Right. So it would be the NCO counterpart to that position. And it's the he was the third one in, you know, with that with that and which which has now become a rank, which is one of the things that he's been able to do on the way out is make it a rank. Um, so. You know he's ha he is at the, the the creme de la creme of the of the influencers and you know now we're talking instead of just you know ones and twos and three stars now we're talking like strategic commands and you know um, big shit right so I'm like well that's cool and all but I, we got on on the other side of the wire here bro like we're dying like literally and it's starting because of whatever is going on on the inside creating the stigma of people getting out, the transition, oh, you're a quitter, oh, you're a shitbag now, oh, let's just put you on some shit detail, oh, you know what, you can do that later, stigma, and what are we going to do about that, because this is what we have on the other other end, we've got suicide, you know, I'm, I'm working with, with vets, like they're gum on cement, trying to rebuild something that's broken in the shadow of what they feel that they used to be, and he kind of, he had this look like, his eyes were real big, he kind of looked back, and he's like, I didn't know, man. Like, I didn't know. And I says, well, we got to do something about that. And he says, well, something along the lines of, well, what do you propose? And I says, well, 
glad you asked. And then I talked about the Ranger for Life program, what we executed at 275. I said, so my vision on this is that we need to get this in front of as many people as possible. There's people, these, nobody knows about benefits delivered at discharge. Nobody knows about the timeline of 180 days prior. Nobody knows about, you know, you should be, when you should be thinking about getting out, right? And if nobody thinks about getting out, but you should always be prepared to get out because guess what? We're in a line of dangerous work. We're in a line of, you know what? You might even step on it down, you know, in a DUI, right? As a E6, E7 or something, your career's pretty much done. What are you, what are you gonna do? And um, I said, my goal is, is to be able to create a program, to take it on the road and to talk with these unit leaders and to change the culture and let everybody know what's going on. I want to see that happen across the DOD. And he goes, hell no, I'm on board, brother. We're going to do it for the world. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay. All right. <laughs> and because, um, you know, there's allied partners that we have that, you know, like we have, we, we complain and bitch about our VA system, which it could be better. But, you know, there's a lot of countries that don't have anything like that. Yeah, that, absolutely. You know, their, their budgets or how they treat things. I mean, their veterans, it's just doesn't exist. So how can we, if we're going to be that beacon of, you know, hope or whatever it is for the world, you know, let's start with those vets and how, show them how to do that. So, um, we went on a test run on in November of 2019 and, um, we went to Fairchild Air Force Base and we were invited there. Uh, well, he was invited and, and basically he says, well, I'm bringing Ron with me and here's what we're going to talk about. And, um, so we're, um, we, we, we get there, we do all the tour, you know, they throw out, you know, the, the red carpet for him. It's the SEAC, right? So, and, 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 and Ron, right? <laughs> so um, we're going through everything we can see and I'm saying, well, this is awesome. Now it gets the time for us to like, we have to put on our show and speak. This is what we're here for. And, um, they had the whole wing damp there, which is like, I don't know, it was, it was several hundred, right? People in this, in this, in this, the hangar. And uh, so he's like, all right, brother, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to I'm going to talk about, you know, the current situation development. I'm going to talk the you know, the, the climate of, you know, military climate and, you know, what bad actors are working on and a little bit of transition. And I'm going to hand it over to you because you got the most important stuff to say. And I'm like, no pressure. Nope. Nope. No pressure. <laughs> Zero pressure. Right. Mind you, this is also the guy that's famous for, you know, is the e-tool. Right. I'm going to, you know, we're going to drop bombs in their foreheads, you know, we'll send the best military, this, that, and the other, and we'll, you know, by any means necessary, we'll beat them and kill them with our entrenching tools, right? Which was the, you know, the fired up speech that he's known for, right? So. I gotta follow that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, he's, and he's like yelling, he talks like this, he's like ah, 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 running around, everyone's fired up. And he goes, now, I'm going to introduce to you it's someone that has way more important information than I have to say, Mr. Ron O'Farrell. And I'm like, I still have no idea what I'm going to say at this point. Okay. Um, and everybody in the audience is like, who? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. They're all, yeah, Ron O'Farrell. <laughs> so I'm up there and I'm like, and I'm, hey, you know, thanks. I'm Ron O'Farrell. And they're like, all clapping and shit. I'm like, oh. guys, I actually have no idea what I'm going to say right now. I said, but I'm going to, kick it off and talk to you guys about transition. And there was a skit that I did, um, years ago prior, um, in a similar in, in showing the, the similarity between transition and jumping out of an airplane, right. And an airborne operation, right. 
So I said, all right, well, we're going to, has anybody here jumped? I know you've been in planes because we're at the air, you know, refueler. Like, like who's jumped out of a plane? You know, hardly anybody. Well, we're going to jump, get, throw you out of a plane or show you the effect of what that is. So, you know, I talked to them about, you know, the training up for airborne school, right? The sustainment and all the, you know, regardless of whatever unit you're in, you got to do two hours of more training and bullshit, right? Okay, rehearse, we get it, we get it. Now you're up in the bird and you get, you know, your stomach's a little bit like, oh man, is this jump going to suck? Is it not going to suck? You know, what do I got to do after this? And, you know, they start going through the jump command. So I start hollering them out, right? All right, 10 minutes. And they, you know, everyone's 10 minutes. I'm like, all right, at this point, here's what's going on. You know, the jump master's doing this. This is what's going on in your head. And we, the time gets shorter. You know, you get more butterflies in your stomach, right? Oh, shit, okay, here we go. Now we're up. Now we're standing up. And it's like, oh, we got to do another racetrack. What does that mean? Well, you got to extend now in your contract. Oh, shit, I thought I was getting out, right? And it gets to the point where it's just the weight is just so heavy. And you're just like, I don't care about the fear. I don't care about anything else. Get me out of here. Right? Yeah. Get me out of here. Right? <laughs> Army or right or the bird, right? <laughs> so you fall, you're out, and, and, and you know, my and I'm having them just sound off and all this stuff. All right, green light, go. Like, ah, you know, right? get out. And I said, All right, now you hear the most, it's the most peaceful thing you've ever heard, right? Your shoot opens, you okay, it's there, we're good. Oh, it's like this is fantastic, but you can kind of get caught up into that fantastic a little bit and you forget the shit that you're supposed to do before you land, right? Oh, I, let me lower my rucksack. Oh shit, where's my weapon? Oh, okay. With, you know, all these things are going in. Oh damn, I didn't keep my, my, my eyes on the horizon and now I just fell like a sack of shit in, you know, wherever you're at, right? Well now, you know, and now at this point on stage, I'm rolling around, I'm putting my weapon in operation. <laughs> like it's a, it's a show I'm putting on. I've got to put up all the stops here, right? Um, it's, it's that uh, reminiscent of that old Panama picture with, you know, the Rangers behind the rucksacks, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> and, um, and I said, here's the difference this is now we're here, we're in the operation and, you know, you put everything in and, but as every Ranger runs across the airfield, we're always asking one question to somebody we see cross. Are you okay? Hey, bud, you all right? Yeah, okay, keep moving. All right, keep moving, keep moving. And we always ask each other that. And we always know where to go. We know what the plan is. We've rehearsed it. I can shoot this azimuth. If I, if I forget about that, let me put, you know, if I, if I we get with an RTO or put my radio in operation. And everyone's, everyone's always asking, are you okay? When you transition, there's nobody there to ask you if you're okay. You don't know where to go. You know where the rally point is. You have no azimuth. You have no idea of enemy forces or anything. You're in it now. And that's transition. That's powerful. And, you know, and then I'm like, you know, when I get done with that, I, I, I say that. And I said, and that's why we're here. You know, I don't know something. I forget what I said. And my name is Ronald Furl. Thank you for listening to me. They're like, yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> it worked. It worked. We yeah. got something. Um, and yeah, like, like John says, man, damn, you had me on the edge of my seat, man. This MF is spitting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so that kicked off what we dubbed the Ron and John show. And we started getting invited by these different units and talking about these things. And I mean, all the way up to, you know, um, we were with fourth ID it was with uh, command sergeant major Nash, you know, it's, you know, we're briefing 38 E9s, you know, in one room. And I remember at the end of it, he came up to me, he's like, you know, Ranger, I, 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 for about seven minutes there, you'd lost me on everything that you were going on. But, but when you wrap this thing up, man, you couldn't have people. Everyone's just jotting stuff down. It's like people couldn't keep their pens still, you know, with what you had, the information that you had to say. And it was an eye opener because I have 38 E9s in this room. 
and not one of them knows about benefits delivered at discharge. And you know their their their, their pens are on fire because guess what? That's that's you. They're getting this ready to guys. get out. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and at the same time is how are you going to, you know, d- trickle this information out to everyone else? But that's, that's the difference. Those guys are preparing for it based on their rank. Right. But all of us need to understand, I think, to your point is that everybody's going to transition one day. One day, whether you like it or not. And, and in fact, so after leaving that, uh, um, a week later, I get a phone call. Two weeks later, I get a, no, a week and a half later, a phone call from uh, uh, E6. And uh, Staff Sergeant so-and-so, he's like, yeah, Sergeant Major, blah, 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 sent me. <laughs> okay. I, not to toot my horn, but now I'm like, I talk to Sergeant Majors all the time now, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he, and he says, uh, I came down on the blotter. Okay. I, he's, I was like, well, what's, what's the next steps, bro? He's like, well, I'm... I'm, I got to get out. This isn't, you know, I've been a bad boy and stuff. I wasn't anticipating it. I wasn't expecting it. He, was getting, he, was, he had several deployments under his belt, right? So now we have somebody that not only is it not physical, it's like I stepped on it. And his job, and, you, know, you know, his plan was, yeah, my, my uncle has a truck driving company in the East Coast somewhere. Uh, okay. I think I'll go work with him and figure this out and what's up. And so, you know, I just went through the, pro- the process of, hey, man, here's what you got to do. This is in the during pandemic, right, 2020, where everything shut down and stuff. So it was, you know, difficult to get these assignment, these appointments for him. But it's just it's just a testament to say that it, it, it's going to happen one day. Yeah. You know, be prepared as you can. As we, as John and I say, be prepared, not scared. But you have to be prepared for that. And what does that look like for you? And when, when it, when it, when it does happen. So, yeah, we ended up doing the uh, the po- a podcast, and we had all these different guests on the show and stuff like that. And um, I, um, uh, which when he first came on, I was kind of already like, man, I need to do something different because I started to feel that thing again in me. And which it's like that monster that just sits right here, that angst of like, oh, I just want to rip this thing out. And um, the last trip that we went on together was um, to, uh, to Dallas and then before we went to the 82nd, but we went to this TBI clinic um, and uh, we're now it's called Resilience Brain Health. And this Donna Cranston put this on. She's um, she's the founder of Defenders of Freedom. They put on the, for nine years. She did the Yellow Ribbon program out of for everyone landing in Texas. And uh, but you know as things turned, she diverted those um, the funds and everything like that to go to something different, which is this TBI program, TBI recovery, TBI treatment program, right? So John says, hey, hey brother, uh, you know we gotta. Would you mind coming with me to Dallas? We're gonna go. See, see this thing for Jamie. Jamie's a uh, retired E9 out of uh, Florida where we did an open house there. He says, hey, I got this TBI uh, healing program that I'm involved with. Now, as a guy that's, you know, TBI head here, I'm like, okay, right? <laughs> like, just so you know that they don't fix those things, right? Um, so we go to evaluate it. And so it was, it was three days. The, f- the first day was with um, Las Colinas uh, Pharmacy. It's, co- it's a compound pharmacy, so they make all the drugs and kind of finite it specifically for you in the house. And they're talking about the physiology side of 
uh, wellness, right? Like the chemical imbalances that we have, you know, the fight or flight already stuck on, doesn't allow testosterone to come in, doesn't allow the, the creation of serotonin or oxytocin, um, you know, and then on top of that, when you have, well, if a man doesn't feel like a man, it's gonna do things to, to, to make him feel like a man, right? So we start pumping more tea in, right? And then, well, if you're, if you're still off on this end, then guess what, that turns into estrogen. So it's this wild story of chemicals and stuff, which I knew to work for keep your mood and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, that's, I get that. It's part of it. And then, then at that night we were, uh, John and I were talking he's like, what do you think about that brother? And I was like, well, I've heard of that, but I'm interested in this brain thing and what they're talking about. Like, how's that work? So we go there, we, we go through the little tour and there's all these little stations of funky little things like foot vibrators, you know, to, um, walking apparatuses to these 3d, um, video game like things with harnesses that you're on. And one thing that looks like you're on, a, um, on the damn here, I'll show you some of the pictures here. It makes, it looks like you're in like a tie fighter, you know, kind of thing. Hmm. Um, and, and all these things have different, um, Purposes. Purposes yeah. for what you're doing, right? Um, and so with that is, as we're going through all these gates and they're explaining things like, hey, do you know, you, there's little gremlins that you might trip over or, you know, you run into a door that you, or a wall that you didn't think that was there or didn't see. Um, or maybe you um, wait for the milk to spoil before you have to really go to the store because you have anxiety about going to the store. And like, I'm like, holy shit. You're... I felt um, like naked, I guess, at that point, because no one's ever really talked to me about the wounds that they could see, right? And then talking about depression, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, like I'm, I'm finding myself having to step away and take a couple breaths and come in and like, are they serious about this, right? And then we, uh, that day we met with the JTAC that was in there doing recovery. And he was like, yeah, man, after the first day, it's, I can't believe the difference. And I'm like, holy shit. So third day we're in there and then they, cause it's a chiropractic basis. So they also do like get your body as healthy as possible so they can re basically what it comes down to is they're remapping your brain. Crazy. Okay. Now check this shit out. So I get a, the, the when we're getting ready to leave to go to Bragg or I was going to Norfolk or somewhere, Donna gives me a hug and she says, Ron, you won't believe this, but last night I got a grant check for $100,000 and I would love for you to be the first recipient of this to take one of these spots. And they're 10,000 a piece, right? And I was like, I would be honored to, because I've learned also along this journey is don't deny people's blessings. And I was like, I would love to. And, um, I, because I had myself just maybe two, three months prior had a kind of, we'll I'll call it a close call, right? I wouldn't say it was an attempt, but it was like, it was really uncomfortably close where friends had to come in and help me out and stuff like that. And, and I talk about that because it's, it's like, you know, when, when people look at what I'm doing in my life, going to the Caribbean and doing these travels and traveling with the SEAC and all that, it's like, oh, he's got his shit together. That's Ron O'Farrell, you know? And then here I am doing these things, but having, still having the same struggles in, um, of with everyone else does, right? I feel you, bro. You know, it's like, it's like, it, we're not always okay, you know? So went through the, going through the program, let me explain to you what the, the, the heart of it is called TMS. 
Okay. So what years ago, they thought that you weren't able to heal the brain. The brain couldn't heal itself. And then over studies and studies, they're finding out, oh shit, the brain can heal itself. So what the TMS is, is they, we do all these tests and stuff in the beginning to see where you're lacking and failing and can you, can your eyes track and all that stuff. And then they know, okay, well that part of the brain is on this side and this part that, you know, that, that affects these motor functions in this side as well. So TMS is a big magnet that they put on either the left side, left lobe, or the, or the right side so of the, your brain. Uh, these are the, um, like a helmet type of thing? Nope. There's, that's another one. That's, I, I've, I've, uh, uh, Tom, I think Satterley goes yeah. through that, right? This one's different. This one is just a, it's a big circle disc and it like sits right in that area and it goes, it's like little electronic pulses. On the left side for however many times. And on the right side, it's lighter and it might just go, that one goes tick, tick. And it just feels like someone's like kind of like tapping on your head a little bit. Nothing, it's not painful. It's just like more of a sound than anything. What's happening is the best way to explain it is when you're born and you have all this super highway of information between synapses, right? From one signal to the other. It's bright going now. It's this is the signal. It's what it is, right? Now, along the way, maybe we bump our head a little bit, and now the road has a curve in it, right? So you can't quite see around it, but the signal will still get there. It's just can't see it quite away. And then maybe and then over time, more trauma, more trauma, more trauma. And then let's say, for like in my example, like uh, there's an avalanche. It's turned into mountains. Forest has grown over it, but the synapse still gets to the other side. But now it gets ambushed with misinformation, anxiety, depression. Oh, I didn't think you meant that, right? Rage and everything else. So what the TMS does is now imagine they're gonna send in the Army Corps of Engineers focused on this one ridge, blowing it all out, putting a super highway in there now, right? Now there's this blank sheet of highway. Well, now they gotta lay in the lines and the lanes of where you're gonna stay. So now you they do the TMS and now they show you how to walk again, how to squat properly, how to, um, wait, when you, you're you gotta like, you got a real reformat here. I mean, so you had to like start all over again, all over again. They, Holy cow. They, they have these things that, 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 that they, they could see where your spine is, how you're, how you're doing a squat. And then they say, okay, now do it this way. Do it a couple more times. Okay. Now do it again. How'd that feel? Felt great. Okay, great. You're programmed. Let's go to the next one. Okay, um, walking in a supermarket, so they have this harness that they have you in, and they they'll do different things like either shift it, the 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 platform will shift forward. And okay, how how can you? What's your reaction time? Shift backward, or shift this way, and then it, it, they could tell. Okay, your brain doesn't like it when you don't have any feeling going downhill. Well, that's a big deal for right. <laughs> that's a big deal. Walking, hello. And then they add different stressors like, okay, now you're in a castle and you have to move the sword and kill these people and stuff. And I was like, kind of like, well, what are you thinking this stuff is for? Well, when John did it, he has a, a thing where in supermarkets, right? It's going through a supermarket. Oh, it's getting too slow. Oh, this person looks, uh, uh, I gotta get out of here. So what this does now is when, and I found out like, like learned like later on when I went to the airport, I was like, oh shit. This is just like that game and I feel comfortable. I've done this before. I can navigate through these people and not, I didn't feel like any anxiety or anything like, whoa, right? So 
the, uh, and it's a two week program and they have it nailed down to where, you know, you, you go in at eight and you're done by 11 and then you have about two hours and then you're like smoked. It's like downtime, take a nap, relax because your brain needs it. Right. Um, and so when we're talking about the effectiveness of this, when I, the, the day I got there, they were like, Hey, you know, no holds back, no holds barred. Like, so doc Charlene Gaudet is the brainchild behind all this. And, um, uh, from testing to, she has got it dialed in. Right. And she's able to talk with us in a way that makes you feel comfortable. Did you want to share? Right. So she was like, okay, so how many drinks have you, have you had, <laughs> have you had more than seven drinks in a week? I'm like, <clears throat> How about, so at that time I was nervous, right? And I was like, well, how about before I got on the plane? She's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I knew my buddy was taking me. I took two shots and then I got to the airport and I had two double vodkas, but they made them triple. And I had to pound those because I'd get a plane. And then she's like, okay, no judgment. She's like, no, here's what she says. She says, okay, we'll take care of that. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> Right. And she's like, okay, what else do you want to work on here? What do you want to get past? I'm like, oh yeah, I'd like to not want to kill myself. Let's we'll start there. Anxiety, depression. She's like, oh, okay. Uh, we can, yeah, we'll, we can take care of that. But I mean, anything else? And I'm like, is there anything? Is there, what, what, uh, I don't Run know. Faster, jump higher. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like uh, yeah, we can. Superman download on that one. <laughs> like, all Incredible right. Hulk. Right. Incredible <laughs> Hulk. So um, the first day we go, I went to the TMS and, you know, I'm just being me cracking jokes and doing the thing. And, and I go to, to uh, we go to lunch, my buddy Adam, which uh, it's good to go through a program with together. Right. So we're, we're there and he's in, um, I ordered a 22 <laughs> ouncer over at uh, Twin Peaks. Right. And um, <laughs> one coming to Columbus too. Probably. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and halfway through the 22, I ordered another beer, naturally. I'm like, ah, oh, that's, you know, that's what we do. And then I finished the 22 and then the beer was sitting there and I was like, wow, I actually don't want that. You know, I'm going to drink it cause I'm not no bitch, but I, I don't really want that. Went to the hotel. Then it's, it's it was Tuesday cause it was the day after Memorial day because they made an exception for us. So that night went and had tacos and what do you have with tacos? Margaritas, baby. Right. Had a margarita, ordered a margarita, got halfway through it. And I was like, I don't even want it. I didn't even, didn't even want it. It wasn't like it was like, uh, like sick or anything like that. I was just like, yeah, I'm actually good. And that, and I was asking, I would always ask Adam, like we'd bounce stuff back and forth. Cause you're like, dude, like a couple days later, I was like, dude, do you like feel, I don't know, happy for no reason right now? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I was going to ask the same thing. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like good. I got to, um, <laughs> when I went to Houston or San Antonio rather for that, uh, thing, you got a Stella ganglia block. Yeah. 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 Same thing. I was like, wow, I am not. Okay, I'm pretty relaxed. Yeah, 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 and that's and that's the ganglion blocks, right? And they, yeah. and there's all these different things that you could do, like to stimulate, right? That, but the, with this, it's the changes are permanent. I need that in my life. 
the changes are permanent. The gangling, you got to go in every six months because there was a first round that was. Uh, well, it depends by person too, right? Because yeah, it could sure, last up to sure. a year or longer. But most of the guys that I know, yeah. I had two and I get another one in April. Right. How often do you have to get them? Uh, that my third one. They see, hopefully make six to nine months out of it. Right. Right. So. So now, so this there's this program now, right? It's 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 a two week program. You go through these all these trainings and stuff, and like like the Tie Fighter thing, like for memory, right? They'll they'll have this one. Uh, just, and I'll move on in this one's example, but let's say it says uh, you know six zero zero eight two one, right? Zero six zero six zero zero eight two one, right? So zero six zero zero eight two one. You remember that? Keep that in your front. Keep that in the front. Then they they shift it to where you're upside down a little bit. Oh, no, they, they rotate it and they say, okay, tell me when you're not dizzy, right? You're like, okay, three, two, okay, I'm not dizzy. All right, repeat it back. All right, zero, six, zero, zero, six, two, one, right? All right, now we're going to try this and we're going to, you know, invert you and, and turn you, keep that in your head and you breathe in, breathe out. And so what's happening is as you're focusing on remembering this pattern, blood is flowing into that area of the brain, more oxygen, blood and now when you come to you're like boom and you repeat what you're supposed to so then it just gets more advanced on these different memory patterns and stuff right so anyways by the time you leave there you're jason born you're it, it feels like <laughs> it. it fucking feels like it because for so long you're like in this like you know a, a buddy of mine used to say if you could if you can if you can learn to dive in muddy water you can be great in the clear right and it's like I was telling that to my, to my, uh, so I, and I, I did an ayahuasca trip and I was telling my, um, journey, we call it, but, and I was telling my, um, John, he was like all this stuff. And he's like, dude, I'd would love to see like the before, after the physiology and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's like, be like this superhuman thing. He goes, actually, we call that just being normal, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> That's how yeah, you uh, right. the block. Yeah, it was like you, know, you, you feel normal. I, was, I don't know how normal it is. I guess. Yeah. I guess yeah. The way I feel, I feel right what now. that is. <laughs> yeah. So with that is is a, a we um, it's a it's and I'm I'm going to uh, lead the way fund. I'm putting them on blast now. I talked to Mike Gallo a while a little bit a while ago and and um, want to send. Uh, I got myself. I'm gonna do a write up on and then send someone else that they can go through the program. Shit, you should go. I'll take that invite. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and from there is, uh, I'd like to see a grant from them go a hundred thousand dollars a year, at least to start to get that rolling and then get with the other organizations and then give bigger organizations and say, what can you do to fund this? It's comes out to, um, 10,000 a person, which includes the two weeks hotel, uh, rental car they throw in there. Um, and also, the uh, a year of the pharmaceutical side, a full year, and they did these blood tests every ninety days, and I'm talking from testosterone to D plus K to B12, oxytocin to anything that you need to dial in for your body where it's at. Like for me, I had a high T count for whatever reason. Like my body keeps asking for it, or whatever. But for for my buddy, he didn't. Right? It was like lower, and your body wasn't even asking for. It. So it's like he, his regiment was different than mine but they always adjust that. So that's for like a, a full year. I mean, a year of dedication and like with this new brain thing. And then we, and then you also go, like I'm going back tonight. I'm flying into Dallas. I'm going to be there for four days going for a little tune up and um, seeing what I can do to really, you know, take, get some more awareness 
and to drive some <laughs> more buildings information. In a single into <laughs> that's just <laughs> that's just crazy. So I'm I'm listening to this, and uh, um, mm-hmm. so of course we we did uh, um, several episodes on SGB because Paul went through it, and then yeah. Yeah. Um, a good family friend who. Um, was hit by an IED and everything. He went through it, and yeah. it was life-changing for him. Sure. Um, and so we're very familiar with, with that because it's hit close to home. Sure. And um, it's been amazing, but what you're talking about um, could be life-changing, again, in a very different it's way. Yeah, and... It's life-saving as well. Yes. I throw that in there. Yeah, and so I'm asking, too, though, when you talk about... Um, so once they get you all chemically balanced, and, and we talk a lot about on this show and uh, very early on about things like, you know, you if you've had TBI, you got PTSD, whatever, but especially TBI, you've got to make sure that you've got your body in balance and in check. So are you eating right? Are you, right. you know, are you exercising? Are you doing the things you've got to do so that you, you can at least level out back to what it should be, Correct. you know, normal, but yet you still will probably be off. Right. And then... Um, and then the, the question I have for you is, once they figure out that, hey, you need B12, you need whatever, K, okay, yeah. and, you know, testosterone and stuff like that, do they, do they tell you that there's a period that your body is going to start creating that to where you, you rely less on it? Like, is it like yeah. titrate off or is it more of, unfortunately, your body cannot make that anymore? Um, it was part of the the constant stress that your body was under for so long. It depends. So like, um, and I say that because, so one is they, they do these things to train your body so that it can get in, you know, create these, if you're, if you're stuck in fight or flight, then you're, you know, how do we get, remove that? Yeah. Part? Turn, the, turn, turn the switch turn, off. Turn the switch off because if it's, if it's someone stuck on that, it doesn't matter what you give them. It's going to, their body can't, if it's testosterone or whatever, it's going to turn it into something else, right? So you got to, that's where they start doing things like, um, uh, number one is the, is the treatment itself. That, that really does help. Then things like, okay, well, if you do, you know, some sort of, of cardio in the morning before, you know, within an hour before waking up or within an hour of waking up, it can knock down the cortisol dramatically, right? And the night before you're taking pregnolone to kind of hopefully knock that stuff down. So with that is they're monitoring it. And so every 90 days you do a blood test, right? So there, and it's a, tw- it, it's a 25 panel blood test. Like it's wow. the most in depth I've ever seen or experienced. And it's, it's, and they go each one by one with you. This is what this is. This is what this number is. And this is what it means to you. This is, it's like, okay, cool. You know, you're a little bit low here. We're going to give you this for that. You're a little low here. They're going to give you this for that. But like my, um, like the pharmacist, Jim Henser, he's, he says, well, <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he talks like this, you know, just real nice and soft. Like he says, you know, just, we're going to get you in the last little oxytocin. So Makes you feel like you're just holding a puppy. You want to hold a puppy? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, love you, Jim. I know you're going to be listening to this. And um, so a, a lot of the things that he says himself as he's prescribing this, and you have a doctor uh, right next to you that's saying, okay, yes, this is based off of your, your blood panel suggesting this. And he says, well, I take this every day myself just because antibiotics, you know, once he figured out early, he well, I figured early on that, you know, antibiotics are good for gut health. Gut health is good for brain health. Well, might as well keep the probiotics going, right? Not antibiotics, probiotics, right? Yeah. 
and, uh, you know, fish oil stuff. And so a lot of what we're taking isn't drugs. It's, yeah, it's, it's like amino acids. Yeah. It's like vitamin D plus K. You're low on B12. You're, you right. need some oxytocin. I mean, you, you were mentioning this. an opioid. You were mentioning a right. vitamin that L-theanine and to, yeah. 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 Um, uh, and I've heard a, a lot about that kind of chemical imbalance. And, right. and that's what they're describing is your, your vitamin chemical imbalance yeah. is throwing things off. off. Yes. Like what is it, it, it versus masking it and clouding it which the VA has done for years and these pharmaceutical companies have done for years, this is getting to the root of the problem. Well, because if you, if you say, I'm feeling this, what they try to do is say, well, let me give you something so you don't feel that. Correct. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, because of, like, again, just gone through the program, I know my physiology and I know my body based off of what you know, every day of, of neurologists going through it. So when, yeah. when do you pay attention someone, then to what you eat? Like, oh, yeah. is it to that point where like, yeah, I mean, really? it's, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and it's gotten to the point where if I eat, I could tell if I'm eating something, how I'm feeling or, um, what was really weird for me was like starting to drink again after the program, because you're now your chemical makeup and everything is completely different. Like your body processes alcohol way differently than it did before. So like if you, like it gets to a point where it'll just all catch up, right? Like it's processing, processing, processing. Well, if you keep feeding it, feeding it, feeding it, then it's just like, oh my God, I'm just completely hammered, right? And it's like, whoa, don't do that, right? Or the next day I feel like um, a little depressed or anxious or something like that. I, you know, and by the way, that with this program comes a neurologist on speed dial. So I hit up Doc Gaday. I'm like, Doc, I, this is how I'm feeling, X, Y, and Z. And she's like, yeah, you probably had more than your limit from the day before, but yes, this is what's going on physically. Um, da, 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 da. Eat some fats, drink some water, get some rest. Next time, just take it easy. It's like the approach on it is like not smacking the shit out of you. You shouldn't be doing this or shouldn't be doing that. It's like, hey, we're human. We're going to be doing this, but here, let's, let's, this is what you need to be doing and why you need to be doing it. So now it's to the point when I see somebody and how they are and how they're acting, I know what's going on with them physiologi physi physiologically. With the physiology and mentally, when I got uh, no, one more, and I'll end with this: is my my best friend Chris. Um, when I got back from the program, he was in a bad, bad way. Like it was any day now, reckless type shit. And he was like, "Dude, I don't know what to do. I need I I need something." And I I made a call, emergency call. And I said, "Don, I my best my best friend's gonna kill himself, and I can't go through another one." And she says, well, well, let's get him in. And I talked to him. He says, I'll do whatever I need to. And he went and it changed his fucking life. Because what was happening is when he would have his kids on the weekend and like he was doing as much as he could with his, with his kids, when they would be gone and not with him, his frontal lobe crashes. He, his, there's no development of serotonin and oxytocin or anything because it's not capable of creating that because that, those feel-good chemicals are now gone, right? So how do you survive another 10 days with that? And then since he's gone to the program and come back, it's his business has taken off. He's doing amazing with the kids, with the family. I mean, yeah, we still have fun. We're still hang out and do our thing, but it's in a way that is responsible. I, I, we're at the bar together right after that. And usually like, you know, Rangers Nick, all right. It doesn't take much to, to start throwing. And these guys were being antagonistic, like messing with his girl and stuff like that. And I was like, 
let's just get out of here. Let's do some verbal judo and move out. And whereas before that, it would have been on. It's like we're fighting everybody in, the, in this place. And he just kept walking. And I was like, holy shit, this is like really working. Like, and, and also the stats on this. In the last five years, we've put over 130. By this time, I think it's now closer to 140 veterans through the program. Zero suicides. I, I just want you to know, I looked at the clock and my watch and then looked at Jason oh, only because, it? no, it's, it's more of, um, oh, wow. <laughs> I feel like we, we, we hit on something right here that I want to expand upon and I, we've already been going two hours and 20 minutes yeah, or so. It does and, we do that, don't we? <laughs> yeah. And, and I felt like, um, if you do go through this, can you come back? Absolutely. 100%. And, and cause I think yeah. that there is so much here that we can, we can hit on. Um, you know, we talk about people with PTS and TBI and everything else. And, and people have gone through, like we talked about SGB, uh, Gingley and block, you know, and stuff like that. But, um, we, we need to talk more about the solutions, not yeah. just, this is what I have. Correct. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> To me, it feels like this is a lot more of a solution. I was fascinated with SGB and the results that were coming out of that. I was, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I personally, you know, after taking it, yeah, <clears throat> the first day, you know, after the, about the first four or five hours, I felt weird and like high a little bit. You right, know, my face is all droopy, weird feeling on one side, but yeah, uh, it it goes away, you know, pretty quickly. And but I literally felt like somebody drove a bus off my chest. Yeah. I, the way I've heard it also explained, it's like um, like you're on a long movement, but you get to change your socks and boots and you can still keep moving. Breathe, you're like, Breathe again. Probably the deepest breath I ever took. Wow. I, yeah. I've heard all of the same yeah. things. As a matter of fact, the deepest <clears throat> sleep that this one person, when they had it, um, the shot done, he came down immediately, you know, kissed his wife who was waiting down there, who's a nurse. And, um, and then this is one of the episodes he talks about this. And then he, um, went to the hotel and he just told his wife, I want to lay down and took a nap, but it was like a three or four hour nap. And it was the deepest nap that yeah. he had ever deepest sleep, you know, that he yeah. talked about he'd ever taken. And, and his wife will tell you, it's like we talked about life changing, mm -hmm. life saving, life changing. Yeah. And, and so, um, I want to, I want to touch back on this again. Let's do um, it. Yeah. and I think we can build just another episode. We got to this, like in the tail end and I yeah. feel like, Oh my God, if we can also just spend some time around this topic and, and what guys can do that may not be able to get in with the pipeline, but what they can do, um, to maybe, locally start at least putting a band-aid on the solution and, and getting something and so first you yeah. know before we close the show out what is the name of this place again and yeah. so that people can reach out and um and do they have social media and and do you as well so that people can follow you i know you have it but yeah uh instagram and everything but i mean you know how can they learn more? Sure. You know? Yeah. So there's a, a couple of places. Uh, uh, first is the Defenders of Freedom. Um, that's the organization that supports the, um, you know, the grants and sponsors folks to go to the program. Uh, the actual program is called Resiliency Brain Health uh, out of Dallas, uh, Texas, um, ran by Dr. Charlene Gaudet and her staff. Um, 
And uh, then the um, the pharmaceutical side of that is also there out of Dallas, out of Las Colinas uh, Pharmaceuticals with, uh, with Jim Henser. So um, you can um, look, Google them. I mean, Defenders Freedom. I believe it's DefendersOfFreedom.us. And then ResiliencyBrainHealth.com, um, I believe, is, is theirs. And um, all you need to do is, um, yeah, tap into the information. You, know, you go through a brief interview process with, uh, with, with Donna and the doc. And, um, you know, as funding is available, you know, you know, get added to the list. Or um, there's also self-pay options for people that are just like, you know what, I will just pay for this and let's just get it done, you know. Um, and it can be done in a form of either donating um, to the charity or directly um to um, resiliency brain health, but that's the one thing that I'm trying to do is lead this in this as well as like get bigger organizations and ask for big dollars because it just it it saves lives and it's and then when we talk about things that are like you know and, and I I love the 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 Jeep was a GBS right the yeah, stellar ganglion yeah yeah, yeah the, the, SGB GB SGB and, and and the thing is is that's you know use that for what you can as long as you can sure yeah because that's what's going to get you through. And then, but this is when it is done, you, you won't, it's like the goal is to be better, right? So you don't need to do the invasive side anymore and you can get a little more proactive. And in fact, I, I can't say who it is, but we've also um, had a, um, a, a senior NCO, we'll say, from, um, from SF that came through the program um, that before they came to the program, they were, you know, you know, you sit there and shake your leg and we have that nervous little thing. Well, this is, you know, a body kind of thing and ended up, they went through the program. Um, and it's, you know, not all the way gone, but significantly we reduced a lot of that to now what we're looking at is this, but is potentially career savers, right? I mean, you know, it can lengthen someone's career of where alternatively in the past, it's, you know, as leaders, especially at the, on the pointy end of things, it's you already know it's like, okay, I'm not going to stick around because I'm a detriment to myself or the team or something. That's kind of where I was. I was like, oh, I'm broken, um, this and the other, or whatever. But, um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's this tip of the spear science and care and the care that we've always needed. Um, and because it's, it works. It's a solution, right? It's a solution, not a treatment. Yeah, that'd be great. Ron, I, I appreciate you coming out here, man, and stopping by, and Paul hooking us up to yeah. get you in here, and it's a shame he's not here. Um, I'm sure we'd have heard some wonderful stories. Right. And, <laughs> um, but I, I'm totally honest. I'd love to, for, to have you come back and us to really hone in on this. And if you're fortunate enough to be able to go to that, then yeah. it would be also really close to home. But um, I can think of the other person that I was talking about as well that I want to make sure he listens to this episode and, sure. and goes out there and does all this stuff. Um, because even though he may be life changing right now, like you said, he understands that it's something the SGB has got to get every so often, but if he can make yeah. a permanent uh, decision is what's the price to pay you. It already said, how much is it? You know? Yeah. And that's what a lot of guys I think who want that serious relief is, yeah. So man, if I got to come out of my own pocket, I'll, I'll take a loan out or do whatever I need to do. I mean, yeah. cause this is, it's that important to, especially if you're a father with small children, oh, or yeah. if you're, uh, you know, you're trying to save your marriage, you're trying to save your life or whatever the case may yeah. be. And, um, certainly if there are people who are listening to this and, um, 
like you had said, you're, you're looking for big donors. You're looking for people who are wanting to make a difference. And there are those out there that, um, quite frankly, are looking for a way to um, reduce their taxes. And um, this is a great program and a way to give back and be able to help uh, veterans. Um, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, definitely check into the program. Ron, Absolutely. thank you so much again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. it. Look forward to the next one.